Hello, everybody. Welcome to It Was Tuesday, the podcast with your host, myself, James Chen, aka J Chenzor, where I talk all about fighting game community stuff. And uh, there's a lot to talk about today, let me tell you. So a lot of things been going on uh, in the past uh, couple of the past week, I should say. Uh, of course, the most obvious one is Evo Japan having taken place this past weekend. Uh, I was involved in the English official American restream of that at the Tenno Studios, which was absolutely a blast and just a great time. But you can see here, also going to talk about some of the Tekken 8 trailers, SNK announcements, and of course the CPT uh, recent ruling. Now, some people, as you can see in the chat over here, off to the to the side. Right here, obviously, there's also news about CLG uh, potentially folding at this point in time. So I'll try to ad address that during the, the, the CPT section there. Just kind of have it be a generic news section. But let's talk about Evo Japan first and foremost over here. Um, Evo Japan took place this past weekend and obviously an extremely, extremely big deal. Uh, this is the first time we've had Evo Japan since the beginning of the pandemic. And if you even remember, Evo Japan kind of was one of the big things that led into the pandemic. Uh, in fact, David even has footage of me and him wearing a mask walking into Evo Japan 2020 and Spooky going, oh yeah, I should probably get a mask too because uh, I heard there was something going around. You know, this is before we all even officially called it COVID and all that stuff. So um, that was uh, basically one of the starts of that. And now uh, the pandemic obviously has, uh, it's, I mean, it's obviously still going. COVID is still a problem, but... Definitely with all of the vaccinations and stuff like that, we are all in a much safer position than before. And so Evo Japan came back, Evo 2023, and uh, obviously, you know, there was a lot of mixed feelings about this event, right? There was definitely... Um, uh, ups and downs of this event. A lot of people complaining about the way the brackets were run. People were saying the venue was just ridiculously hot and humid. You know, there was the lag on the monitor at the main stream station, etc., etc. Um, it's uh, it's it, it's unfortunate to hear that, but at the same time, there was obviously a lot of good. The matches were amazing. Uh, Evo Japan, again, I mean, they had some amazing production values over there. Like, they, Japan definitely puts in a lot of work on the stage presentation, right? Like, the player intros with the Roto-Z little drop and then the steam and all that stuff like that. So, um, definitely uh, a lot of good things with Evo Japan as well. Uh, it turns out, I mean, one of the toughest things about having a free-to-enter tournament is that um, 
you know, a lot of people don't end up going. So, you know, I was actually kind of sad to see a lot of the foreign players did not end up going to Evo Japan. I would have loved to have seen, for example, how an Umi show did in Japan environment in Guilty Gear Strive, you know, having traveled. Uh, but of course, uh, Umi show did not end up going and only a few of the U.S. players ended up going to play Guilty Gear Strive, for example. Uh, however, uh, again, uh, in case if you guys missed it, I have the uh, games over here. Of course, they ran Guilty Gear Strive, Street Fighter V, King of Fighters. Actually, you might, I might as well just put this on the screen for you guys so you can see over here. Guilty Gear Strive, uh, King of Fighters 15, Virtual Fighter Esports, Melty Blood, Grand Blue Fantasy, and Tekken 7. Now, I'm not going to go through all the... Um, I'm not going to go through all of the... Yes, uh, Japan has uh, the laws as well that you cannot enter tournaments for money because I think that's considered gambling, right? So just like how Japan basically, you know, those pachinko parlors, you're not allowed to gamble in Japan like that, right? So those pachinko parlors, you're not actually gambling for money, right? You play pachinko and then at the end, you exchange all the balls that you have won or left over for prizes, right? You exchange them for prizes at the, uh, at the shop. You can't actually win money. Never mind that next door, there's usually a shop that buys those prizes. <laughs> that buys those prizes from you for straight cash. So, you know, uh, they have ways around it. <clears throat> but uh, Evo Japan was en free to enter for uh, that, for that uh, reason. Uh, because it's considered gambling. Same thing, actually, honestly, uh, the U.S. has it too. A lot of people aren't aware of this fact, but the reason why all online tournaments during the pandemic were free to enter is because I think there are seven states in which entering a tournament, paying money, and winning the money is considered gambling. And so it's illegal. So none of the online tournaments have entry fees because of those seven states. <laughs> Otherwise, we would have to ban players from those states. And obviously, that will start getting dodgy because people will start VPNing and doing all sorts of things to pretend they're from different states, etc., etc. So all the states, all the online tournaments in the U.S. are free to enter to avoid that, which is why something like Macherino came in handy, which made sure that people could still make some prize money off of it. Obviously, if it's sponsored prize money, then it's completely legal. Any case, sidetrack, sidetrack, facts for you guys here. Evo Japan... Um, Definitely a lot of fun. Like I said, there were the uh, seven main games there. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit about this. Like, obviously, uh, I was there on commentary, for example, for Virtua Fighter Top 8. <laughs> I know a lot of Virtua Fighter fans probably were not necessarily happy with me being in the Top 8 commentary as I know nothing about <laughs> Virtua Fighter 8. <laughs> Uh, I talked to the guys and I was like, are you sure I should be here? And they were like, yeah, it's fine. You've got uh, uh, Ryan Hart and Spooky there. But, you know, obviously Virtua Fighter is not a game that is viewed as often as uh, a bunch of other fighting games. And so, you know, I did take the opportunity to try to make it educational for everybody 
uh, there and to really kind of bring the joy of the game and the things that I liked about the game to the people out there, such as I just love the animation, I love the pacing, I love the way that it looks like actual martial arts, you know, kind of thing. And uh, I love the colorfulness of it. And, you know, I've always been a fan of VF. I've just never been able to do good at the game. But again, we have the experts like Ryan and Spooky. And like I said, as people generally don't uh, watch a lot of Virtua Fighter tournaments, the important thing for me as a commentator is to have people understand what it is that they're looking for and what it is that they're trying to enjoy, right? So when I was there, I was, you know, hoping to make, you know, get Ryan and spooky to talk about things like, okay, so what are players looking for? What is the idea of this? Is it kind of like taking turns like Tekken, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, look, Marcus Sensei, I, look, I, even though I don't play it, again, just because you don't play a fighting game doesn't mean you can't have massive appreciation for it. My appreciation for Virtua Fighter Five is extreme, right? I really, really like that game. Uh, a lot from a spectator standpoint. I think it's one of the most fun fighting games to watch, even if you don't know what's going on. It's beautiful. It's pretty. The graphics are bright. Obviously, it looks better now because of the Virtua Fighter 5 esports version. But honestly, like, it's such a cool-looking game, and I always get excited watching VF5, so it was actually really cool to hear guys like Yipes and everybody just get so hyped watching uh, that game, basically. Uh, oh, Spooky is super knowledgeable. Super knowledgeable. <laughs> uh, but, um... You went with the main JP stream because I need the game sound effects when watching. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because we were just restreaming their feeds. And so we had to do it at... Actually, I'm not sure exactly how it was working. But I believe we were just restreaming their feeds. And so if we were doing that, we would get uh, their commentary mixed together, etc., etc. So, um, okay, so... Basically, uh, yeah, so back to this. So Virtua Fighter, again, really exciting to watch. And again, you know, one of the things that we're starting to find out is that back in the day before we had the online and all the stuff like that, that was very easy for players to dominate. So Itazan, Shibita, uh, Fudo, for example, were gods of VF. And, you know, everyone was probably going to pick them to win the events. But, you know, they actually all didn't make to, to, to the top eight. I'm not sure if Chibita actually entered or not. I didn't don't remember seeing him in the list here. But the point is also, though, that Fudo and Itazan play a lot of different fighting games. They haven't played Virtua Fighter in such a long time. A lot of other people, all these other guys have just, like, never stopped, right? So uh, Fudo and Itazan obviously focusing on other fighting games at this point in time, uh, mostly on Street Fighter V. And so, you know, it was really cool. There's a lot of parody going on in, in, in the fighting game scene right now. It's just, it's so hard to be as dominant as 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 you want to and absolutely gun Jehudi Kai you know I, I do hope everybody enjoyed the Evo show and I thought you know just talking about the commentary that we did from the Tenno Studios I thought it was great I thought it was a lot of fun I love the chill vibes that we were just talking about player you know other commentators off stream and just chilling lying down on the couch having a good time we definitely tried to make sure we put on the best show for you guys as possible but of course, 
the preference is to be at Evo Japan and actually stream from there directly because there's nothing like being at the venue itself and uh, streaming it live from the venue because you get the atmosphere, you get the feel and everything like that. But I will tell you, though, how close it felt like we were there doing that Evo restream. Every time I looked at the, like, some Twitter and stuff, like, I saw Gamer B was at Evo Japan. I saw, like, all these people were at Evo Japan. I was like, dang, this guy was at Evo Japan, and I didn't get a chance to say hi to him. And then I was like, wait, I wasn't there. <laughs> I wasn't actually live at Evo Japan. What the hell? So, you know, it was nice, though, that, you know, we were kind of, like, I, I felt like I was actually, like, in, like I was definitely in it right like i definitely felt like i was in there and doing and 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 feeling it and i felt really involved and i felt really uh immersed that's the word i'm looking for i felt really immersed in the event so uh again uh, a lot of fun there for virtua fighter uh grand blue fantasy really awesome to have a japanese offline tournament uh i didn't get a chance to watch it i also don't know a lot of the storylines going into that uh game i just know gamera now is a two-time evo winner i believe i think he won a previous evo uh melty blood was really cool to see tekken 7 arslan ash winning tekken 7 he is now a three-time evo champion He's won two Evo Japans and one Evo America. I mean, is it's hard to say. Well, right now it's Arslan Ash and Knee, right? Like those two are the big guns right now. It's those two that are clearly the peak of Tekken 7. But having Arslan Ash win what potentially might be you know, one of the... Oh, actually Tekken 7 will be at Evo this year, so that will be the last one. But with Tekken 8 coming up around the corner and a lot of people playing it at Evo Japan and seeming to, uh, I, I, I mean, I definitely got the feeling that a lot of fears were assuaged a little bit, like a lot of people worrying that Tekken would be a different game, you know, hopefully Tekken 8 would be a different game than Tekken. I think uh, a lot of people sounded like they enjoyed it there, but anybody who has their finger on the Tekken pulse better than I do can let me know uh, how they felt about it. Shaohai solidly and cleanly winning KOF 15, kind of like what we were expecting. Shaohai has had the tendency to sometimes uh, shrink at some events, especially when he has that kind of pressure, but he definitely did not have any problems winning Evo Japan. I mean, there were some close matches, but Grand Finals was just a wash, and Shaohai really just showed that he is clearly the greatest King of Fighters player probably of all time at this point. I mean, I, I don't know if there's an argument, right? There's a lot of old school players, but he was dominating old school when he was much younger. That's why he's literally, that's why his handle literally is Shao Hai, because that just means child. Shao Hai just, just basically means a kid. He just showed up, he was a kid beating everybody at the arcade, so they just called him Shao Hai, and here he is winning decade, you know, over a decade later and still dominating the KOF scene. Uh, yeah, no, Isla is a very, very strong character, Soul Dragger. She just doesn't play the way that I want her to play. So, uh, again, this is the thing about KOF, is a lot of times KOF 
the system of KOF is seriously much stronger than the individual characters. We'll get to that in a little bit over here, you know, with Kim coming out. But when characters come out in KOF 15, it's less what can the character do. It's more of what can the character do to fit in that box of what KOF 15 expects of you. Isla has a lot of very, very strong things. Great normal buttons, wonderful, wonderful jump CD, etc. So she can play King of Fighters 15 really, really well. I just wanted to 6K and hop around everywhere and do all sorts of crazy air mobility craziness. Uh, that's really not the way to play her optimally. She can play that way, and it's a great addition to her entire KOF 15 playstyle, but it's not the focus of her game plan, which is what I wanted it to be, uh, just because I just thought it was interesting and really, really fascinating. So, you know, when I play Isla, I'm just jumping in the air all day and trying to dive kick people and do all sorts of craziness, whereas you're really just supposed to jump CD, dash up, low, etc., etc. You have to play KOF 15. Again, that's not a critique of KOF 15, but that's just the nature of the style of the game. And obviously some characters play it better than others, which is why you have some top tiers uh, and not top tiers, essentially. So... Because they don't, they can't KOF 15 as well as the top tier can KOF 15. <laughs> well, I don't even need to add 15. Uh, they can KOF better than the other characters can KOF. <laughs> That's what makes a top tier. Uh, but again, Shaohai dominating, Guilty Gear Strive. Again, uh, you know, we had some of the U.S. players there. Jonathan Tene coming so close to getting the top eight at Evo Japan, going down 3-2 uh, in winner's side. I forgot who the opponent was, but eventually losing 3-2 to Daru Ino. Uh, in last game, last round, I heard in, so he finished in ninth place. So Jonathan Tene obviously doing very well, but you know, none of the, none of the, uh, Western foreigners made it in the top eight. Latif didn't make it in there. Lord Knight didn't make it in there. And Gobo with just the most ridiculous losers bracket run. I mean, Gobo is just, he is such, I mean, when he first showed up to that Red Bull event and we found out what Gobo was really all about, because Japan is usually about stoicism, you know, they don't really, you don't get to see their emotion, but Gobo, like, he is a character. Oh, he lost the Churata, okay, okay, he lost the Churata Kai. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, the whole Japan doesn't think Happy Chaos is strong. I mean, I even said it on commentary. I was like, there's a lot of Happy Chaoses here. So clearly Japan thinks Happy Chaos is strong. So uh, it was probably just a misinterpretation or just the fact that the best players in Japan aren't using him affected what we thought, uh, honestly. Uh, but uh, in any case, um, Gobo, I mean... What a guy, dude. He is just the most hilarious person. Love him to death. Love the fact that, you know, even in Japan, we're getting these, like, crazy personalities and everything. Uh, <laughs> Poka coming to top eight in his school uniform. Exactly. Uh, there was just, uh, it was really fun to watch. Now, uh, you know, obviously I said on Twitter a while ago that I thought, you know, U.S. had the potential to be the strongest region. And I know a lot of people gave me crap about that. But apparently at 
Tatakai uh, Tuesday yesterday uh, with some decent Japanese players there. Uh, Jonathan Tene and Lord Knight made grand finals. So you know what? Look, I'm not saying that that proves that I'm right because it clearly does not prove that I'm right because America did not do very well at Arc Revo. Uh, I'm mean, sorry, at Arc World Tour and at Evo Japan. Uh, it does show, however, that a lot of these players from the U.S. are young, and you know it's it, it, they it's harder for them to perform as well in big environments. The main point really is just that it's it's so the parity is so good, right? You know the U.S., the EU, Japan, Asia, we're all right there. It's the closest that we've ever had skill-wise in terms of what we have. The main point of my original tweet was that Netcode being so good at Guilty Gear Strive has made the US players so strong in the game and it's so awesome to see. Like I, I know I'm trying to take the super wholesome route on this, but it, that's just how I feel. I love the fact that everybody is so good in the game and I just think that's so 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 cool and oh Poco would have won if he didn't drop a hit confirm which we think was due to monitor lag there was definitely a lot of people complaining about the monitor lag not just punk right obviously um I know Arslan Ash and a couple of the other Tekken players were complaining about it as well. Obviously, Punk was just the most verbal about it. He definitely held up the Street Fighter V tournament for like 40-some-odd minutes. But if that didn't happen, you guys would have not been privy to, you know, me spitting any bars at EVO Japan and the on the restream over there. <laughs> Look, I'll tell you something about, um, I'll tell you something about, uh, rap lyrics here. Rap lyrics are all about wordplay, all about wordplay. And as a person who brain just naturally goes in that direction with puns and all that stuff like that, like I probably actually could be a decent ghostwriter if I really took the time to, to, to hone that craft just because that's the way my brain actually goes. Um, but yeah, uh, guilty. I mean, sorry. E, uh, Street Fighter five oil King oil King coming in and winning one of his best, uh, perform with one of his best performances ever. I did not see the Mochi 3v3v3v3 tournament the day after Evo. I did not get a chance to see that, Alex, and uh, I, I might have to go and see if I can find that. I'm assuming that's Guilty Gear Strive, right? But yeah, Oil King was playing, yeah, out of his damn mind, like Coupon said. Uh, it was really, really cool to watch, and I'm really happy for him and proud of him. But, you know, obviously, for Japan, that's a rough one because uh, someone not Japanese won the tournament. But again, really happy for Mono for getting that top eight as well. And, and again, the, the coolest thing about it, a super happy for Nemo. Obviously, it's a heartbreak going basically 0-6 in the grand finals against Oil King. But I got to tell you, man, like grand finals being Rashid slash Seth versus uh, Gil. And then uh, third place was uh, Nikali. You know, I mean, again, I know a lot of people are mad about Luke, but the way Street Fighter V has ended at this point, 
yes, Luke is a problem. I don't even think Luke is as, even as big of a problem as Elena was in Ultra Street Fighter 4. And so, like, Luke is definitely a problem, but the game is really balanced in the fact that also at the bottom end, everybody is viable. Everybody is super good. I think everybody is super good. And I think that that's really, really exciting, uh, to be honest with you. So, um, yeah, exactly. It's, it's healthy outside of Luke, even with Luke, it's pretty healthy. Cause again, the other thing too, and I, I, I still say this, I still say this, I still think Dalsum's better than Luke. He's just really hard to play perfectly. That's just the problem. And any mistake from Dalsum will kill you. But if you are playing really on point, if you take all the Dalsums in the world and combine all their strengths together, I don't think you can beat that character. He's the only character that gets to be plus after forward throws, after V reversals, after everything. He's the only character who can be plus in like 7,000 bazillion situations. He's the best rushdown character in the game. He's also one of the best defensive characters in the game if, if he can keep you from getting in. I really, really think that Dalsim is a better player. I don't even think Luke is the best character in the game because in the end, Luke has no shenanigans. He is going to beat you purely, purely on solid fundamentals. It just so happens that a lot of the top players have amazing godlike fundamentals. So players like, you know, Mena RD are going to win with the character. <laughs> but in the end, you're going to be able to win with solid fundamentals with any character. And Dalsim has shenanigans on top of that. So I, I, yes, it takes a much better player to make Sim good than Luke because it's not that it takes a better player. It just, it takes more time to learn all of the subtleties of Dalsum. Luke has no subtleties. Luke is as straightforward as you can possibly get him to be. Okay, here's this situation. Oh, okay, I can do this shoulder charge and be plus in this situation or be safe in this meaty situation. It's like the only thing Luke has. But outside of that, it's just play your fundamentals, land your combos, do your damage, win. Because <laughs> he does everything you want out of a character in Street Fighter V better than anybody else. So that's Luke. Dalsum, honestly, like I said, is he's just like, <laughs> He gets to play a completely different game than everybody else does. He's just like, whee! So, but it's so hard uh, to win with the character. So, um, but that's, that's kind of how I felt about it. Really happy for Oil King. Really happy to see him take that victory. It's the first, I think, really, really major win for Oil King. He's obviously won tournaments before, but something like EVO Japan. And, and I mean, the fact that he got top eight at EVO Worlds just this last summer and then followed that up by winning EVO Japan is really, really impressive. So shout outs to Oil King. And that is probably one of the best year like half a year runs a little over a year runs yeah it's way over half a year so it might be one of the best you know 12 month runs in street fighter 5 history honestly getting top eight fifth place at evo worlds and then winning evo japan might be one of the best uh 12 month runs of um 
Street Fighter Five. So, um, okay. So that's Evil Japan. I talked about that way longer than I expected to. I might have to break out the punk video into its own thing <laughs> when I upload it to YouTube here. So we'll see. We'll see. I'll figure out how I want to do it. The hardest part about it is it's my job as a commentator and as a content creator to analyze these situations. I just, I'm scared. Like if I put out this video, like punk is this or whatever. And you know, punk is going to watch it. He's going to listen to me talk about him. And I know that that's really awkward seeing people talk about you like that. Uh, it is part of part and parcel of becoming a top player though. I mean, you got to sit there and listen to Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith talk about you all the goddamn time, right? Like that's just part of it. But at the same time, like I said, I do care about these players and I only mean well, uh, when I talk, uh, uh, when I say these kind of things here. So, you know, hopefully, uh, if punk does catch wind of this whole conversation here, that, you know, uh, he takes it to heart and he realizes that obviously I do not have, I'm, there's no intention f of me for trying to be mean to him or anything like that. So, uh, well, thank you, Alex Gerber. Appreciate that. Virtual onside tournament got canceled. They're having connectivity issues between their Xboxes. Ah, yeah. I mean, like I said, I heard that there was a lot of issues with the venue and stuff like that, but I mean, it is a good venue. So uh, it's the biggest venue, and it's a really nice space. It's close to a lot of things, and again, public transportation in Tokyo is ridiculous. So uh, it's going to be really... Oh, yeah, Alex, the, the, the ending... Actually, Oil King and his wife, actually, uh, apparently they're married because I saw Oil King basically say, I can't do this without my wife. And so honestly, yeah, that was... Oh, God, what a, what a, what a touching moment, touching moment for me. But yeah, that was Evil Japan, and um, I, 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 I can only conclude this by saying to you that I am absolutely, absolutely heartbroken that I was unable to go this year, that they did not have a, an official live restream over there. I've missed Japan so much. I love going there. I love being in that environment. I really miss seeing a lot of my friends over there. But uh, like I said, hopefully the English restream broadcast was fun for you guys. I know we had a blast. Shoutouts to everybody that was on that couch, including David Spooky, Ryan Hart, uh, Yipes, Jade Lynn, Ebonic Plague, uh, uh, Dynamite, uh, who else? I know I'm missing so many people at this point because there was a lot of people that were there. Uh, during the course, Sejam, of course, Tasty Steve. How did I miss Sejam and Tasty Steve? Holy crap. Yeah, Sejam, Tasty Steve, uh, you know, everybody that was there on the couch uh, during the course of that weekend was really, really cool. Shout outs to all of our people live over there uh, in Japan, like, uh, you know, Fubar Duck, who did a wonderful job over there. Uh, I know Sherry Jennings did some stuff over there as well. Um, so yeah, shout outs to everybody who, who was involved in the production. And I, and I, and I really do feel like we brought you, 
an amazing show. Very, very fun show. So if you guys haven't had it, if you guys didn't have a chance to watch it, obviously, you know, no big deal. But for those of you who did watch it, I hope you guys had as much fun watching it as we had doing the stream for you guys. Because like I said, it was it was absolutely uh, a joy. I, I had a blast. It was great seeing all those guys and just hanging out. And uh, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> the studio, <laughs> literally Spencer's living room, you know, but like uh, it looks beautiful. The studio it was beautiful but yeah um it was good times so i hope you guys enjoyed that um but let's hope that next year for evil japan we can actually do a live thing because obviously oh of course majin obama doing great work over there in japan as well but obviously you know we would like to do a live event in japan you know with commentators over there because guys like jiyuna and majin obama absolutely deserve to be on the like the main commentary team and stuff they do so much for communicating the japan fgc over to the u.s that you know they should be like staples for uh an english broadcast of evo japan obviously um they would rather stay in japan and be at the event live than flying them out to the studio to uh hang out with us on the couch so you know uh can't blame them for not being at the studio broadcast so uh no there was definitely a, a lady from the japanese oh shout outs to also to the japan evo japan announcer guy <laughs> that guy was amazing dude that guy was super cool how he would switch between english and japanese and just like dude he was he was amazing he was so good um my melty blood moon rap uh omega bill murray is like seriously i wrote that like in in uh what was it 2013 2012 or something like that holy crap i wrote that a long time ago um but that was fun being able to read that i i i thought it was funny because i was like oh man i know people are gonna clip this but whatever i didn't realize how much effusive positivity that i would get from it i've legit had so many people just telling me like you know legit that was really good <laughs> People were like, that was actually legit really good. They were actually uh, surprised. So the Roto mascot Necromancy Black is literally the eyedrop case. Like, it's just that thing. The blue part is a tab. You open it up and you drop the eyes and you cap it back up again. So, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it was actually kind of funny to see uh, how many people actually genuinely enjoyed my melty blood rap even to the point where i got a high five from david afterwards you know going from so so you know prematurely embarrassed for my melty blood rap that he ran away <laughs> before i even read it on the tuesday show a long time ago to the point where he actually gave me a high five <laughs> someone has a photo officially of tokido and the roto z guy next to each other However, I think that's like a Batman ploy, right? Like, Batman probably hired Nightwing or somebody to dress up in the Batman costume to throw people off. <laughs> that's the trick. It's the trick. Any case, that's Evil Japan. 
Uh, if you guys uh, check the YouTubes, eventually uh, we'll get the SNK announcements and the Tekken 8 stuff and uh, and the CPT Leverless Ruling uh, videos up on YouTube. Uh, so keep an eye on that. Make sure you like and subscribe on YouTube. So put a comment down there. Sorry I was so busy at Evo Japan this weekend. I didn't get a chance to reply to a lot of the comments in the YouTube threads. Uh, I'll try to make sure I am doing my part for engagement more uh, for those of you commentating on YouTube. But uh, again, always appreciate your guys' support, watching all my content, enjoying all this stuff. And uh, make sure you take care of yourselves out there, guys, and be excellent to each other. This is the wrong stream for that. My stream here, however, for It Was Tuesday, is that the day that this podcast graced your presence was the greatest day of your was the most important day of your life but for me it was tuesday So Peter 061, let's talk about that, right? Let's talk about the Street Fighter V thing. Um, let's talk about Street Fighter V here. Um, Punk, obviously, yeah, bad tweets, uh, indefensible tweets. Again, Punk is a very emotional person, and uh, I know it's very weird for me to defend Punk, right? Because a lot of people, you know, would think that I would be like, Punk should, you know, like, but you're like, but again, I understand where he's coming from. He's a very, very emotional person, and uh, he is also of the person, the type of person that um, uh, is is affected by eyes. So you know, I I do really poorly, for example, when I play on stream. Because I know people are watching and I get very self-conscious, etc., etc. Um, he is a very, very... He's, there's a lot of sensitivity there. He's a very sensitive person. And so when things like this happen, it's hard for people like him and like me to not immediately react, right? Just like me when, you know, AE first came out and we knew nothing about Street Fighter 4 AE. I lost the Ultra David's Dan on stream with my Cami and I was adamant that Dan beats Cami and that Cami was awful and that AE ruined her and everything like that. You know, it's just like, we can't help it. <laughs> we can't help it. Like, it's just like, I jumped on, this is why I don't compete at tournaments that I commentate. Because every time I do, I jump on stream and I'm just so angry and I have to talk about it. And I have to make excuses and I have to be salty. It's so hard for me not to do that. So I have determined to myself to never play in a tournament that I am commentating because I just don't want to do that anymore. And so, yeah, I mean, Punk should not tweet when he's in an angry state and everything like that. But also... 
you know, uh, I, I've talked to Punk before. Uh, I mean, not talked to him, but I've told him that I definitely want to sit down with him and talk with him. I just don't want to do it over tweets or texts or anything like that. I would rather talk to him live in person, you know, because again, look, uh, I know how much fighting games mean to Punk, right? I say that to him every single time. I almost made him cry uh, when he won CPT Online East because I told him that and he he knows that I understand uh, more than a lot of other people. I think he understands that I get him really, really well. And so, um, uh, I, 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 yeah, and that's the other thing too is that he kind of was right. A lot of people were complaining about it. Now, obviously, it was awesome that, you know, Rick came out and actually, you know, tweeted about that and said, yes, the, the, the setup was wrong. Uh, but of course, obviously it wasn't the monitor's fault. And, you know, obviously there was probably pressure from the sponsors to have that be said, because we don't want to feel like that the, uh, the, the monitors that were being used are bad. Cause I think they're the official monitors for Evo now. So, you know, but yeah, exactly. Alex, I was feeling the same way. Punk was in such good spirits, uh, ahead of time. And then he just had so much frustration afterwards. So, um, so it's it's a, it's a rough situation again being an emotional person that punk is it's it's tough and like i said when you are hard on yourself when you are very sensitive to what other people say the reason why you jump out with tweets like that or you get mad with tweets like that is because you're trying to jump out before other people attack you that's just really what it comes down to uh, that's, that's for me, psychologically, why I do these kind of things, right? Like, if I lose with Cammy to somebody, I just want to jump out and be like, Cammy sucks, Cammy sucks, like, this is awful, you know, because I want to get there before people are like, you suck, James, you know, like, I need to, like, it's just, and, you know, I know there's, like, not a lot of basis of truth in what I said uh, about Cammy sucking in Street Fighter 4, but it's just, it's, it's one of those things. It's just a weird defensive mechanic that I can't explain it. Like, we know we're digging ourselves into a hole, but it's just, like, it, you have to do it for some strange reason, you know? <laughs> now, um, what happened with Punk and Nubenheimer? I can't even remember... Uh, what what happened to that situation? But you know, for sure. Again, I'm not saying that Punk is blameless here. He's done a lot of terrible things. Uh, right? Yeah, exactly. But see, this is the problem, right? So the reason why when Punk yelled about Combo Breaker sucking, and then Rick asking about it, and then Punk saying like, "I don't want to talk about it again," I know exactly what happened. Salty tweet. He wrote it out, and then Rick actually called him out on it. And at that point in time, you're kind of, like, scared because you're like, well, like I said, when you write these things, you know you're not necessarily correct, <laughs> right? You know you're not correct. You're just really frustrated. And so, like, at that point, you're just like, you know, uh, eh, you know, and, uh, yeah, he's not doing things the right way. That's the best way for Pollock to actually uh, state it here. There's no way to complain about... There's a way to complain about lag and what he did wasn't it. 
Exactly, exactly. And here's the other thing Acid Drops is saying, and this is actually very, very true as well. The FGC needs to act mature and grow up if they want to be properly sponsored. I have talked to some players about that. I have talked to top players before who were like, I don't, I don't want to censor what I say. I just want to be able to say what I want because I am who I am. And I was like, if you want to be able to say what you want to say at any point in time, then just suck at fighting games like the rest of us. You are in a very, very important position as a top player. You are representing our scene. I'm sorry, when you're in that position, you do not have the freedom that a lot of other people have, right? Like, that's just facts right there. If you are putting yourself into the position where you are winning, you do not have the freedom to do whatever you want. Now, having said that, Having said that, when you get signed on to an NBA team, when you get signed on to a professional sports team, they literally have people there to teach you how to interact with the media. They literally have, that's like some people's jobs out there to train you not to swear, to be, you know, to be more mature, to represent the brand correctly handlers yeah exactly handlers we don't have that in the fighting game community there's nobody who has ever been like punk you are now a top player let's sit down and explain to you how things should go like this is not even the players who are got signed to teams they don't really have people like that like that's not a role that I've heard from a lot of FGC sponsored players right like maybe in Riot you know for League of Legends and stuff we definitely have that kind of situation we don't have that in the fighting game community a lot of these people are thrust into the limelight like punk when they're like 19 years old right it's not easy <laughs> and yes exactly like operative nine says fgc doesn't have the bankroll for that kind of service Paula games calls it media training how many times do we see the post game conference for basketball players and they're talking and they'll be like you know what i don't care if i'm gonna get fined like as soon as they say that they're breaking it right they're tra they're, they're they're switching from media mode to you know what like fuck all that, I'm going to speak my mind mode, right? Like, there's literally a transition point between those two when they say that because they're so properly trained to be in media mode when they're up there. And how do they express salt? They find their own ways to do it, right? Both games played hard. Both games played hard. Both games played hard. <laughs> you know? Um, it's not an easy position to be where Punk and a lot of these players here. Uh, you see it a lot. You see it a lot from players. And it happens all the time. We've had Chris G go through it. We've had Chris T go through it. We've had so many young players go through this because nobody is training anybody. So again, it's easy for us to say, you should be more mature, go. Even I can't do that. I'm 40, what am I now, 47? <laughs> I'm 47 now. And do you see how mad I get on my stream? Do you see how salty I get on my stream? 
and I'm explaining to you how we're supposed to be more mature, and I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it because I'm so goddamn emotional. <laughs> I'm so goddamn emotional, and it's so hard. <laughs> I can't stop just being like, Lucia sucks. God, this character sucks. Fuck Lucia. She's so bad. Oh my God, this character's garbage. Like, I can't control it. I literally cannot control it. Even though I know every time I start one of those Street Fighter streams, I'm like, all right, James, today we are not getting angry. Today we're going to be fun. We're going to have a good fun stream. Even when I lose, I'll laugh about it like Smug does and it's going to be great. And then it happens and I just get so mad and I can't control it. It's fucking hard. And it's it's a tough tough situation. So, is Punk wrong for a lot of the things that he does? Yes. Do I understand why he does it? Yes. Does that excuse why he does it? No. Does that mean that I wish that I hope that I can help him in the future? Yes. Absolutely. And and that's the thing, right? And and that's the thing. So it's it's it, right, Subatar, you start every rank session like, I'm going to play to learn. I'm gonna have fun. And then shit happens and you're like, fuck this game. Stupid piece of shit. Stupid ass boxer character is so broken. Dude, it's Oh boy, it's a tough situation to deal with. It is a very, very tough situation to handle. So again, uh, it, it again, is what Punk is doing right? No. The way that he handles situation is wrong. And that's the thing, is that the way that he reacts, like when he said combo breakers suck, and Rick said, can we talk about it? And Punk's reaction was, nah talk to everybody else there is an element that he knows he's wrong but the salt happens and once it's tweeted he doesn't want to take it back because of that pride because of that emotion and so when Rick is like hey extends a hand it's hard for him to be like look sorry I'm salty I'm angry it's not the worst tournament. Let's 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 talk about. You know, it's kind of a, a it's kind of a terrible kind of situation. Wait, whoa, 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 what's terrible? What's terrible? <laughs> yeah, I mean NYC Furby, he's old too, and he's like one of the worst people talking about, right? So, uh, oh, I see. You're talking about something else. If you grew up with sports, you're taught to have amnesia and worry about the next play. Uh, nah, not really. Anyways, it's a that's a whole nother topic, uh, Uncle Buddy and Mike Lee. That 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 is that's a whole nother topic to talk about. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting situation. And again, uh, I I I I really appreciate because, like I said, the reason why I I always say to Punk that I know how much the FGC means to him is because I understand it. I get it. You can see it there if you're willing to look and if you come from the mindset. And the emotion, emotional background that I have, I understand it. So like I said, when he cried after losing to Tokido, that's all I needed to see. And that like made me understand the kind of person that he was. Because that was the time that Punk lost the shield. That was the time that Punk lost the shield. He was also super emotional when he went 0-2 at a South by Southwest exhibition, but even before that. 
I commentated a South by Southwest uh, exhibition. He went 0-2, and, and he was so distraught. And then at Evo, he lost, and he cried. Again, those are the times when the punk shield disappeared. And that's the punk that we actually... That's the punk that stands out to me, personally. Again, it's a tough situation, because I'm not defending what he d- does, Right? I'm not saying he's not wrong for doing that. So let's get that straight from the get-go. He should have been at the award ceremony. He should have been respectful. He should have accepted his seventh place position where he was. It's how it should have went. But didn't happen. I get it. It's not right. But as a person... Uh, who is very emotional and very worried about what other people think of him. <laughs> I, 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 I know where it's coming from, and it's not where a lot of people think it's coming from. A lot of people interpret what he's doing as being a jerk or being angry. You know, they call him a heel and all these things like that. And it's, it's, it's coming from a place of... Uh, low self-esteem, low self-esteem, or, or just wor- that kind of worry, that kind of worry. That's where it's coming from in a lot of ways. So, but yes, he does have to learn how to grow up eventually, but that's if somebody can teach him or if he has the epiphany, right? And, and again, Proud Soul, what I'm... <laughs> basically Sanford Kelly us old folks know he means well that's actually a really really good analogy Marcus Sensei but what I'm gonna say uh, is that mid-twenties holy crap we are we are so stupid in our mid-twenties we are so stupid in our mid twenties. <laughs> I've often said that the thirties are the best period of your life because when you're in your twenties, especially nowadays, because we're not expected to mature as quickly as people have a long time ago when life expectancy was much smaller. Uh, but when we're in our twenties, we are invincible. We are super fucking invincible. We think we can do no wrong. We think the world owes us everything because that is what we were taught. And uh, we are not mature yet. By the time you get to 30, you've probably had a health scare or two. And you realize your own mortality. You've had more experience. You've been able to meet more people. You understand what's different. Now you can focus on what's important in your life. When you're in your 20s... You think you know all this shit, but trust me, you don't know shit, especially nowadays, because like I said, it's, it's such a different world than we were in before. Before it was like you graduated from college or high school, you just went straight to work and that was just the end of it. Now we have this ability to pursue our passions, et cetera, et cetera. It's a really different kind of, uh, uh, a different kind of world. But I'll tell you right now, you don't learn shit when you're in your 20s. In fact, you, your 20s are going to determine if you finish life as an asshole or not. <laughs> That's basically 
<laughs> that's basically what your 20s are for, is you determining whether you're going to be an asshole or not. <laughs> because you either double down on it or you go, wait a minute, holy shit. And that's the way it works. <laughs> so that's my super old man experience message for the day, okay? I did not mean to tangent off into this whole entire thing, but honestly... Honestly, that's what it comes down to when you're in your 20s, uh, honestly. And, uh, and you know, it is the time for you to reach out and experiment and find out what your limits are. So I don't agree that the best thing to do in your 20s is to shut the fuck up and keep on listening. Like, I don't agree with that personally. You need to find out what your limits are. You need to find out what you can push to be the best of what you want it to be. But the 30s is where you figure that out and where you can hone that in and concentrate on what's really important to you, right? So, like, for me, you know, fighting games were the things that were the most important to me. Fighting games are what was most important to me. For my older brother, having a family, being married was important to him. Like, I just, that, that isn't something that strikes me as like a goal in my life, you know? So like, it's not something that I've ever really pushed super hard for. Instead, I pushed really hard into the FGC because that's just where my, that's where my passion lies, right? That's just where it comes down to. And so again, you figure out what it is that you want to do and then you spend your 30s getting there basically these days. And it, a lot of it does come down to life expectancy because, yeah, in the 1920s, like, you weren't really expected to live far much past 50 or 60. Like, I'm already at the tail end, you know, if it was, like, 20, if it was in 1920s or whatever like that. And so there was no such thing as chasing your dreams. You just did your shit. <laughs> you had kids, and you moved on. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, 29 is definitely not too old to become a content creator, dude. I mean, there's all those tweets out there like, Samuel L. Jackson's first major role was, you know, when he was like 37 or whatever like that. So trust, you're never too old. You're never too old for these kind of things. Anyways, we're getting too real here on It Was Tuesday. Let's get back to this Evo Japan thing over here. Welcome to it was an it was Tuesday for another episode of analyzing Tekken 8 trailer footage because the Tekken 8 information just won't stop. Obviously at Evo Japan, I just did a video on Evo Japan. Uh, they got a bunch of people got to play it. I haven't really checked a lot of the responses yet, so I haven't uh, gathered a lot of that. But it seems like it's been mostly positive. But they also did announce a bunch more stuff going on there now. Shao Yu 
was announced uh, very Xiao Yu was announced uh, earlier than Evo Japan, but uh, after I did the episode last week. So I actually have three trailers to watch here, and so I'm gonna try to make sure that I uh, go through these quickly. So let's going out. Uh, let's go do this. Yeah, and strangely enough, there was no Street Fighter developer match today, uh, so I don't have any of that footage for you guys. But let's watch these trailers one by one. Do the same thing that I typically do. Where I watch it one time through. And then we go back and analyze it in slow motion. So we're going to start here with the Ling Xiaoyu trailer here. And uh, please do not mind me if you just hear me spend the whole entire time grumbling and being mad. Because this character terrorized me in uh, Tekken 7. <laughs> <laughs> I got hyped when I saw King and then Xiao Yu. I was like, oh, oh. here we go. Think you guys can hear this? Yeah, you guys can definitely hear it. Ling Xiao Yu. Unreal Engine, of course. Get ready for the next battle. Dancing. <laughs> oh man. Love Le Lenhart does such a great job here. Ugh. Now that was the, the I mean magic four, but it didn't knock down, right? I remember so Spag actually came out with a video that explained a lot of differences. And yeah, magic fours don't knock down anymore. And I think that's a situation we'll see over there. No! Don't beat up on King! Leave King alone! Leave King alone! Oh god. Oh man. No. I like how her supers like, you know, outside of you know big old explosion at the end is trying to be all realistic, and then you have Lars is just anime. Oh god, Ling is too cutesy, I swear. Oh. oh that's right, King does beat up Xiaoyu in that anime, huh? Alright. Yeah, I mean, honestly, operative, like, that's kind of how I feel too, right? Like, as a person, you know, who's obviously not super well-versed in Tekken, like, nothing really seems to stand out about Ling Xiaoyu uh, at this point in time. Eris said this game in real life looked much better than the trailers. He played it. He played it. There was actual social media posts where they invited people. So Steve, uh, Rip, and Eris all got to go play uh, Tekken 8 at some point in time. So, yeah, but I wouldn't be surprised if this looked better than in the trailers, honestly, because this game is beautiful, and a lot of the times that's the way it turns out. These games just look, when you see them in motion in person instead of through a YouTube video, it's so... So, yeah, that's right, Maximilian was there as well. But yeah, I mean, for the most part, from one 
from what I can tell, I mean, Ling Xiaoyu just seems to be doing Xiaoyu things, right? So obviously the main thing we're looking for here is like Art of Phoenix stances here, but we're not seeing that. But like I said, that's a big one right there. Now, if I'm not mistaken, Ling Xiaoyu standing three just knocks down automatically, but her standing four is a magic four button. I'm not sure. Uh, someone ex uh, definitely uh, fix my face if I'm wrong with that, but that sounded like a counter hit, a magic four, but it just knocks. I mean, I guess it was a knockdown. So no, I, I think Ling Xiaoyu, she doesn't have a magic four. Her standing four just automatically knocks down. No, because it was like the sideways kick that Ling always did that knockdown. Are there any uh, Ling, Ling experts in the chat here that can uh, correct me on this one? But there's the Art of Phoenix right there. You know that's not going to go anywhere. There's no way Xiaoyu would never have that stance right there. There's the low profiling that she's so good at. Oh, the hop into throw. And then goes into the back turn character. Okay. Okay, so it is a magic four according to RDM then. So regular four doesn't knock down. Counter hit launch though. So that's the same. That's the same. So... So it looks like that's a true punish right there. So you see this block, pow pow, punish, boom, juggle into the back turn stance. Into the, uh, so what Spag had uh, talked about was that, you know, in Tekken 6, it was the bound. So you punch someone down and extended your combo. In Tekken 7, it was the tailspin. You punch them backward, you launch them sideways, and you extend combos. But in Tekken 8, it's the launch up that, where they spiral upwards, that allows you to extend the combos. So they've gone all three different directions. They went from down to forward to up now. So that's the combo extender right there, more so than the tailspin. It's the pop-up, I guess you can call it. Ugh, dude, we're all gonna make some take out the trash jokes here, right? Because you see the trash can back there? Ugh, take out the trash, shall you? Recycle, Nina, yeah, let's go. And here we go. This is the June Kazama stage that we saw earlier. That was really, really pretty. I, I really like the stage. It's one of the first times that we've seen, you know, more colorful stages. Although I still think it should have been bluer and greener. There's always this layer of, gr of, 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 um, like muting colors in Tekken. And I get it because you want the characters to pop out a little bit more, but the characters are affected by it too. One of the things that I loved about Virtua Fighter so much is that it's so colorful. It's super bright. The blues are really blue. The greens are really greens. The reds are really red. And I would like to see that in Tekken more. I get that they try to go for a more gritty, realistic look a lot of the time, but I would like to see far more colorful uh stuff uh in in this game but yeah look at that that's like the michelle yo kick right there actually michelle yo kick always comes from behind that's right not from the front over here so we got a counter hit it looked like in that situation here so block this try to attack counter hit boom into rage drive or i'm sorry uh heat drive art thing <laughs> 
probably a uh, camera angle for the trailer. Here we go. Hits you. Probably a counter hit only combo, but that's a heat engager. So her palm, this is obviously one of her signature moves. And it really seems like they tried very hard to make a lot of signature moves, the heat engagers. So this is definitely a very signature move for Ling Xiaoyu. And here she goes in for the heat engager. Shouldn't be a true combo. This is just a mix-up situation over here. But King eats that, and all these trailers make it look like a true combo, and I think they do it on purpose. But if I'm not mistaken, that's not supposed to be a true combo. I don't know if this whole thing is a natural combo here. So, brah, 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 bop, like that. Because that, I'm not sure. Was that a natural combo before, or is that completely new? I'm not sure, but definitely gets a knockdown, leaves her in back turn. It's a little bit of a punish over here. Mm, uh, uh. And then here we go, catches him sidestepping. Yeah, but like I said, a lot of the things that we see in here, and there you see it again, the heat, that's the, uh, the, 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 she's already in heat over here, gets the hit, spends it into the heat dash to extend the combo here. Oh, that's a new sequence according to RDM. Thank you, RDM, by the way, for being in the chat and helping me out with this. Appreciate it a lot. Boom. There's that tailspin stuff over there. Ugh. Her handstands into back stance is new. Oh, okay, cool. Ugh. Fist, fist counter hit here. Blam. There we go. In the super. And here we go. Ugh. Beat you up. Beat you up. Beat you up. Beat you up. This is for revenge for beating me up in the Tekken anime. Uh, take this, King. Kaboom. Oh, that's cool. She spins her hand. And that like that's what causes the big spinning uh, force that makes King spin like that. That's actually kind of neat. And then, gritty, dark, muted colors for that greedy realism. Yay! Stay classy, San Diego. <laughs> That's all that makes me think of, dude. Yay! It's <laughs> a lot of Ron Burgundy references in our fighting games these days, isn't there? <laughs> uh, I think it's supposed to be Tai Chi. Yeah, I, I believe that's supposed to be her. Her her fighting style is supposed to be Tai Chi. Uh, let's go. Let's do this. Here we go. The next trailer over here. This is going to be Leroy Smith. I almost called him Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> oh my God. Leroy Smith. Here we go. Ugh. Oh, she's more of the pie, but, but doesn't pie supposed to fight with that? I love the lyrics. Ah, doggy, doggo. Time to take out the trash. Good boy, good boy. I'm more excited about the return of the dog. Wait, what was it called? What was it called? Grandmaster of Drip. Now, if I'm not mistaken, sorry, I know I'm not supposed to stop here, but, like, that's 
Isn't this intro from Tekken 7? Doesn't he kind of have this already in Tekken 7? Anyways, let's... The freezing will come later. Ugh! There's that stick again. Ooh. Dang, into the police car? Show me what you got. Ooh. Mix up. Ugh. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, honestly, Fusion Gamer, one of the most unfortunate things is that Leroy's always been such a sick character, but his launch state, I think, made everybody so mad at him. Everybody's gotta have that one-inch punch it's as the super ender. Yay, doggo! I mean, obviously having the Wing Chun, Wing Chun file style of fighting is so cool because it's just it's such a distinctive it's such a distinctive style. And when you see it replicated in games like this, it's really, really excited. Did I? What did I call you, KC Fusion? What the hell did I just call you? I'm so sorry. Look at the dog. Look at the dog. Oh, look at the little doggo. Look, look, look at the doggo. But yeah, he is definite. Oh, did I call you? Oh, okay. Fusion Gamer. Uh... Okay, KC Fusion, I'll just call you that from now on. But yeah, this guy is sick looking. And like I said, if it wasn't for the fact that he came out so busted and kind of causing a lot of people to not be, to actually see Leroy and be like, oh God, be terrified. So, okay, so lore wise, uh, Leroy did show up in the anime, right? So, Sugar, Sugar is the name. But yeah, if I'm not mistaken, this is the same intro from Tekken 7. So it seems like there's a lot of stuff that they kind of recycled from Tekken 7 for him because he's so brand new. I, it, it just seems like that they probably didn't want to go around and change too much. Uh, change too much of the character. And uh, also probably when they added him to Tekken 7, how much you want to bet... He was like in pre-planning stages for Tekken 8 or something. And maybe they just kind of made the decision to pull him back into this game. Not sure. Oh, dang. Is that like a kick fake there? Because it looks like he's about to kick. Uh, oh, no. That's him going into a stance and then kicking low. Got it. Okay. Okay. And then power crush. We didn't see any power crushes from Ling, which was interesting. Oh, dang, he has a parry. Okay, so we see Ling's signature move. There's a gap in between there. Parry. He's always had a parry, though, right? This parry is not new, if I'm not, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And then, bap, the double fist. Boom. It's so cool looking. And I forget, did they actually give Kong Lao a one-inch punch at any point in time? 
Did uh did 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 they give Kong Lao a one inch punch anywhere? Because he obviously does a lot of the the Wing Chun looking kind of stuff too. Oh, that's right. Liu Kang has it, of course. And there we go. Always shows them catching sidesteps in these videos. So out of the stance, he's got a tracking move that catches the sidestep. So there's a stance. Got you. Close enough to get the clean hit. So the sweep. Oh, hits the AOP stance. Now, if I remember properly, Leroy is allowed to use the stick once in the match. Not even once per round, right? Is it, is it once per match that he's allowed to use the stick? Mm hmm but obviously uses it here once per match. That's what it was, okay. But yeah, obviously a very, very powerful move. So the reason why it's a once per match thing because it's really powerful. I mean, look at this. I'm assuming that's a low hit. You get a launch off of it. So it's actually really, really nice to have. And look at this big old combo he gets off of it. Ugh. Oh, what? So he can go into a counter, a pair of sabaki on whiff like that. Look at that. Oh, uh, uh, into the police car. Oh, uh, launch into the police car. Oh, uh, oh, uh, oh. Uh. Dang. And there's that stick. God, he is kind of cool. No, no, I don't think so, Razzalicious. I think Law's nunchucks are just going to be part of his moveset. But for Leroy in particular, the stick is just too powerful of a move to have available to yourself. Now, obviously, we don't know if they're going to change anything over here. Punish. Pow, pow. Launch. Uh, activate. Burst into that rage chop thing. That pseudo bound. And there's the up flip right there. And then ends the combo right there. And then here we get the counter hit. That's a counter hit standing three, it looks like. Yeah, that's some standing three. Goes into the stance. And here we go into the heat engage. Boom. And then spends it out on the finisher right away on the, on the, on the heat drive. Because you can see he goes into heat literally like he's not going white. Boom, go into heat. Dash through. And then, bam, gets the hit and then goes straight into the heat uh, ender here. Because you can see hits here and then the white glow goes away. Big old uh, heat engager startup. Here's the mix-up again. And you can see Law actually blocking it. Yeah, see? He's able to block it here, showing again that heat engager startups are blockable here. So he's blocking that, but then he spends it right away into the heat dash at the end to keep aggression going. And then he actually hits Law out of trying to counter here, and then he gets the finish like that. So, But because it was a raw burst activation, when he spends it for the heat drive over here, so activation, spends it for the heat drive, but he's still in heat because that activation, I think, gives him the two... Yeah, that's right. Heat Engager into Dash Forward gives you two uses afterwards, if I'm not mistaken. So here we go. Doom activation into Dash. So now he has two uses of it. Boom, boom, boom. Block, block, block. Boom. There's use number one into Heat Dash. He's still glowing white. Gets the hit. And then he uh, doesn't expend it, but he's still glowing white in that situation. There's another counter, 
and that leads into a heat engage. So he has a Sabaki that leads into a heat engage here that allows him to keep the combo. Oh, wait. No, actually, he's glowing white already, isn't he? Yeah. So, again, when you are in heat, you have access to special powers and stuff. So I guess he's going to have the ability to have his counters actually be able to dash cancel into a heat rush into the combo here. And then uses the stick here. Now, how many stick moves did he have in Tekken 7? Did he have more than one stick move? Because that's clearly a different stick move. Oh, dang. Was that the ender here? So he only had just the one. So this is actually new that he has two different stick attacks then. Which one was the original one? The sweep launch one was the original one, if I'm not mistaken. This is the new one, right? This is a new cane attack, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, no, the first one was the new one? Okay, so this is the, that, this is the old one. Got it. Okay. Bam! To the chest! Ugh. Uh, and here we go. Rage art activated. Bap, 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 bap. Oh, dang, he choked. He chokes you? And then, of course, they did a good job with the presentation on the one-inch punch here. I like the fact that they do get the two stages of the, uh, uh, like the, the first hit and then the push that we get from there. Uh, uh. Dang, what is, oh my god, I didn't even notice the dragon before. There's actually a dragon there. Check that out. That's cool. I don't know how I missed the dragon the first time. I'm glad that they put a semicolon there. Except all. Semicolon. Chase none. That seems a little too formally written, but then doggo, sugar, let's go. Dog's like, oh, yay. Do, 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 do. <laughs> god. What a cute little dog here. Oh, my gosh. Amazing dog. <gasps> yeah, slobbery dog. But then again, these are very slobbery dogs for sure. So that's Leroy. That's Leroy. Yeah, that's a great win pose. That's a great win pose. You can never go wrong putting a fighting game character with an animal. <laughs> the animals are, dude, like Dizzy with the squirrel running around her and Exert is still one of my favorite uh, uh, win, win poses. <laughs> I still love that one. Oh my gosh. And then finally, they revealed Asuka Kazuma and definitely was like, yay, Asuka! And oh my god, not Asuka. Because <laughs> I know there are definitely people that hate fighting this character. Uh, I saw people calling her the button masher and all these things, but uh, oh man. <laughs> Dude, it's so funny because as soon as he shows up here, like... Like, everybody, like, on the couch were like, wait, is that, is that Asuka? And, like, Sejam is just sitting there in the production room, like, how do you not know it's Asuka, dude? Like, clearly, clearly this is Asuka. Like, why are you even, how are you confused by the intro portion here? <laughs> Definitely a very weird outfit that they chose for her. Definitely a very strange outfit. Yes, 
ready for the next battle. Spirited Peacemaker. There's the bike. Is it Asuka? Or I thought I thought it would just be Asuka, right? You don't actually pronounce the U that heavily, do you? I mean, how old was she in old games? That's the question, right? Oh, dang. Is that a counter or is that just a dodge? Ooh. Yeah, how old was she in older games? So would it make sense that she's, quote, in college now at this point? So she was 16. Okay, so it would make sense that she's in a university now. Definitely looks like you can combo after her super. It definitely looks like she has one of those like Paul Phoenix combo uh, combo uh, supers. Is that not a university outfit, Razzalicious? Am I mistaken on that? I thought it was. Oh yeah, Pollock. This is going to bring in a lot of people, I think. This is going to be uh, really exciting for a lot of players. But, okay, what's the story of Leroy, by the way? Why does he own everything? There's a Smith Coffee, there's this big Leroy sign over there, and then on the top it says, Beauty is Possible Leroy Collection. Does he just own like the entire city or something like that? I mean, what's the what's the deal with Leroy? Who is he? Le he is the hero of New York. Interesting. Okay. So this is supposed to be New York then, right? This is supposed to be New York. James Rival. Why does this say Why is this say James Rival and this is not a picture of E Honda? How is this not a picture of E Honda if it says James Rival? Anyways, <laughs> Leroy saved in New York. I mean, it definitely looks like a university outfit, right? Or, I mean, it could be a police thing. I don't know, but like, it, <laughs> it definitely looks, I mean, the, the whole sweater thing and everything like that definitely has more of a university look. It looks like a hot mess. <laughs> so, I will take it, University 9. You are on the side of, I don't like the outfit. Because <laughs> I definitely see uh, both sides. Yeah, it definitely looks more boarding school style, for sure. Like, it looks like a school uniform is really what it comes down to. But the, the shoes are very strange. The socks are very strange. Anyway. Is that actually part of the lore, Auriko, or is that just you joking? Mmm, <laughs> Tekken 8. Okay, joking. <laughs> and of course, the famous... Which game was it with the intro where she drives the bike off of the top of a building and, like, lands and is okay? <laughs> 
There's something very... Oh, it's Tekken 5. Okay. There's something very weird. Like, while her face looks really good, there's she there's something about her face that looks a little more Uncanny Valley than some of the other characters. Like, when I see it, it's like, oh, man, they did a good job with the face model. But then there's, like, these weird, very weird subconscious things that take me right out of it. And I'm like, wait... That's CG. I, I can't explain it. Yeah, it might just look like an AI robot. It's like a robot trying to have expression. So here we go. There's that lunge punch that she has. Counters Leroy trying to come in over here. Boom. Looks like she gets plus frames off of that, but obviously looks like a high that you can crouch under and blow up. So you got to expect it. But it also looks like a tracking move as well. And then he tries to go there, gets kicked, boom, boom, tries to sidestep again. They love showing you killing sidesteps over here in these trailers, blam, and then low block punish into a, a throw thing. Is that new or is that old? Like, I don't remember seeing her do this attack, grab you, or is that a throw or is that just part of the combo over there? And then the launch that she always, <laughs> that she points at you. <laughs> uh, oh, she has it, but not from that. Got it. So that part is new. And then, yeah. <laughs> Bam, launch. Clean launch. Boom, boom, boom. Into the up spin. Into the jumpy punch. Now, what's really interesting is did they, they never showed her back three kick, right? The, 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 the move that everybody hates the most. Like, I wouldn't, like, I kept saying their signature moves seem to be heat engagers. I wouldn't be surprised if back three was a hit engager. Yeah, I don't know what the pointing is here. Now, I will want to say, though, this hot dog guy is a little more concerned. Because if you remember in the other trailer, the hot dog guy just literally gave no Fs, right? Like, the, the whole card is shaking and he's just standing there like... Doo, 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 doo. It seems like they actually, either that or the right side hot dog guy has not seen this before, but the left guy, hot dog guy, is like, whatever. Or this could be the same hot dog guy and it's just screen rotated the other way. But I think this hot, yeah, see, the, this hot dog guy at least is at least reacting a little bit more over here. He's like, what is happening? He's at least a little more concerned, but he's still not getting himself any sort of concussions getting knocked around over there anyways let's see the moves here so gets the counter hit into the wall splat boom boom and then this launcher yeah i know spag talked about this spaghetti rip again you should watch his video he has a lot of good information from when he went into the studios and got to play but the up tailspin launchers work in the corner for wall spikes really high up too because you can see clearly they're spinning against the wall but they can't splat until the very top which gives you much more time for follow-ups over here Ugh. Ugh. don't hold any she likes does oscar just like pointing at people she liked pointing at people. Now, what's interesting about this side note is that pointing being rude is actually an American thing, I think. Because the thing about it is in Japan, they're never taught pointing is rude. 
So they point a lot. Like when you see Japanese players come up, they always point at people. They'll point at you and stuff like that. I remember when I had to fight Daigo in the Super Turbo Tournament at CEO in Grand Finals. Like he walked up to me and I'm like, you're fighting me. And he was like, you? And then like he pointed at me. Then he kind of like chuckled because he thought he was going to play Arturo Sanchez, but I somehow beat Arturo Sanchez. And then Daigo walked up and I think he was expecting me to go, go fight Arturo in grand finals. But I came up and I'm like, you're fighting me. And he points at me. He's like, oh, and then like, I swear to God, he laughs like, oh God, this is going to be free. (laughs) And I was like, really Daigo? And then it was free. And then he he messed me up real bad, okay? He messed me up real bad. But he had already qualified into the Tournament of Champions. So I got into the Tournament of Champions anyway. But you'll also see a lot of players, uh, Japanese players, do this too. Like, you need to go up to the station. Oh, like they point to themselves. Like, honestly, pointing is definitely not considered rude, I think, in Japanese culture because they point a lot more at people. I don't know why America created the pointing as rude. It's rude to point kind of thing. I'm not sure why our culture kind of came that way. So, any case. (sighs) Block, block, fake. Oh, okay, so that is a parry. That's a low parry, it looks like. So, yeah, he goes for the low here. And Asuka just has... This is not obviously the universal low parry. This seems to be an Asuka-specific low parry. And then she gets this hit here, which is a crumple that she goes into the burst activation. And now gets to keep the combo. There's the up flip that she can extend. Boom, boom. There we go. Still in heat. Here we go. Here's a throw that leads to a heat engage. So I guess there's definitely some sort of... Some characters have throws that lead into heat engages. Like, is that just a legit... That looks like a 1 plus 2 throw. Oh, that's a hit throw that gives plus frames. Got it. Okay, so this can be blocked. So that can be blocked. But in this situation, it was not. Boom. And so now it gets even more plus frames because aggression. And she comes in here again. That should not. That's not a combo. That's just uh, not blocking there on Jin's part right there. Dude, she's got dive kicks. She's Eliza now. Oh, even on block, it's a hit throw that gives plus frames. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Oh, power crush. Dude, that was a fast power crush. Or is that, that's an edit. That has to be an edit. Like, they just cut out part of the frames for some reason. Because going straight from here into... Oh, no, that's, that's legit. That's just legit. Oh, maybe? I don't know. I feel like there's definitely uh, some cuts here. But some people saying that this is actually a 15-frame power crush, even in Tekken 7. And you guys are saying that it was annoying back then as well. But, I mean, it's the animation of it is so jarring. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Boom. Pow! Like, that animation is jarring. But, obviously, here we go. Obviously, didn't block again. Got the up spiral into the hit over here. Juggle, 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 juggle. Stayed in heat. Here we go again. Sidestep punish. Already in heat. 
So canceling that move into the heat dash so she can extend the combo. Uh, I mean, that dive kick is probably not available outside of that string, honestly, Machinex. So I don't think we saw it ever. she ever did it raw, right? Then BAM! Oh, counter hit, crumple, activation. And see, like, there's something wrong with her face. It's her eyes. Her eyeballs aren't moving. And she's not blinking. Okay, she's not blinking. So this might just be an early, early... <laughs> this might just be an early build. And she's that's one of the things. She's not blinking. That's what's making it so freaky right there. Like, she is literally not blinking. <laughs> and that might be... See? She is not... Okay, there was a blink. Okay, thank God. <laughs> thank God. <laughs> Because uh, it was looking kind of creepy at first. But she does have some problem a little bit with, like, the dead eyes. I can't explain it. Blam, blam, blam. But, again, do you see the way Jin bounces at the end of this? Thunk. And hasn't settled yet. And it definitely looks like she is free to move about there. So she's free to move about there. She's definitely close enough to pick up afterwards. I think her rage art is a combo rage art. I don't know if it was a combo rage art in Tekken 7, but my feeling is that she can combo after this, that she can keep going. And it just looks like they just make her stop at that point in time. Blink, goddamn. Okay, see? That, okay. That is exactly what has made it subtly very freaky to me. Asuka doesn't blink. <laughs> blink, goddammit, blink. Look at this. Blink, goddammit, blink. Ah. <laughs> that is exactly, I think, what makes it look weird to me. Why, when I, at the first time I saw this trailer, I was like, why am I getting uncanny valleyed? Why am I getting uncanny valleyed with with Xiao Yu in particular? I mean, with Asuka in particular. <laughs> oh man. So wait, what's the deal with Asuka and Lily? Are they rivals? And lore-wise, Asuka is clearly a protagonist, right? Unlike the you know anti-heroness of Kazuya and Jin or whatever like that. So. <laughs> Oh, man. What the heck is IRL voice ban? <laughs> what is that? But thank... Wow, 10,000 points. Thank you, Hiro-kun. Lily thinks she's a rival. Okay. Okay, got it, got it. So they are rivals. Well, Asuka sounds like she doesn't care, but Lily is definitely all about that, in other words. So sounds like Lily really is Karen. <laughs> To Sakura, right? <laughs> Forced rivalry, wasted Asuka lore potential being a Kazama. I see. So in other words, Lily's like, you're a Kazama. You should be like crazier, more powerful. Rah! And then Lily keeps going after her, basically. I can't say anything for the next three minutes is the description. <laughs> Am I supposed to not say anything? <laughs> or is they're not supposed to? I guess I'm not supposed to say anything for the next three minutes.
All right, for the sake of the people listening to this at home, <laughs> I'm not going to do the full three minutes. I was tempted to. I was tempted to. <clears throat> Nunchuck? I mean, the thing about nunchucks is they're, they're not even like, so for those people who weren't, who are listening to this at home, I busted out my fake foam nunchucks from the Law episode, and I started flipping my nunchucks around, but then I almost hit Optimus Prime, the Lego Optimus Prime, so I freaked out and uh, decided to cut this a little bit. But the funny thing about it is nunchucks aren't even really, like, crazy weapons, right? Like, they're kind of more Hollywood. Like, they were literally originally designed for crushing rice, if I'm not mistaken, they basically created two wooden sticks like this. And so basically in order to, to, to farm rice, you would swing them and use them to crush rice on the ground. And then because the monks were not allowed to have weapons, they basically took that implement and learned how to use it as a weapon, basically. That's what I've heard. That was the story that I've heard. Uh, and so they learned basically uh, martial arts with that. So... Uh, but they're but they're not actual like real real weapons. So it's very. I have heard about the band from Australia and stuff like that. Uh, but um, I just like <laughs> numchucka sticks. Is that what they actually call them operative? Like I know that uh, there was a ban on them, but I just can't see why. Unless there was just a, a, a high incident of people bringing them. <laughs> Two schools just to like hit people with them. Like, did were they people actually going nunchuck crazy? Anyways, I have definitely uh, spent a, a, like a minute and a half being silent. So uh, let's go. Let's go ahead and call it for this episode here of this analysis. But again, if you guys enjoy me going over these Tekken videos uh, in a little bit more detail, obviously people. YouTube definitely likes it more when reaction videos are like, that was neat, like and subscribe, and then that's the end. Uh, but I definitely go into a little bit more detail, so let me know if you appreciate me doing that. <laughs> but in any case, Tekken 7 looks really, really, really cool, obviously. Uh, a lot of people had a good, lots of good impressions. Like I said, check out Spaghetti Rip's video already. I watched that where he talked about his impressions and a lot of the things that are very different from Tekken 7 to Tekken 8 and a few things that are actually the same from Tekken 7 to Tekken 8. So uh, that, did I say Tekken 7 again? <laughs> Jesus, I am so bad at this number increase thing. Okay, I can't wait till this year when we finally get to play Street Fighter V, Tekken 7, and Mortal Kombat 11. So, you know, I'm sure you're all looking forward to be able to finally get your hands on those games as well. So keep your eye over here and I'll tell you all about Street Fighter V, Tekken 7, and MK11 as we get more news. Thank you guys for watching. <laughs> Hope you guys enjoy the content over here. And for, again, obviously you guys do because the day that this podcast graced your ears is the most important day of your life. And for me... It was Tuesday.
For you, it was Tuesday, the podcast that talks all about fighting games and everything surrounding fighting games with your host, James Chen. Hello, everybody, and welcome. Thank you guys for tuning in here on twitch.tv slash TV as well as youtube.com slash TV. Hope you guys are enjoying all the content that I've been pumping out for you guys. Let me know also if you guys prefer having things chunked up on the videos. And uh, if you guys are audio listeners, let me know if you prefer having it all in one audio or having the audio also chunked up. Uh, I know last week I didn't experiment. I actually put all the audio in one video, so uh, in, in one file, I should say. So let me know if that works out for you guys. But in any case, Evo Japan was just this past weekend. If you guys check the YouTubes, uh, me talking about Evo Japan and Tekken 8, uh, their new announcements over there should already be up. But let's talk about some surprises here. Obviously, SNK coming out the gates with a ton of announcements. Like, they just didn't hold back at all. They were like, you know what? Here's a bunch of stuff. And it's really exciting to see them actually continue to give us all this information with a lot, from a lot of different venues. Because there's a lot of stuff in the SNK pipeline right now. And we're getting stuff everywhere. So let's take a look at this entire video. Now, I shall say, obviously, Kim Kafuan has already been released. People have been playing him. They've already been uh, messing around with him. So people are getting impressions with him. I have not mess with him yet but we will definitely be watching the trailer over here so let's take a look at this and see what we've got here <laughs> love that intro so here obviously we got the Kim Kapwan trailer sick looking costume definitely looks better than the 14 well, you're definitely happy he's back, Operative. And yeah, a surprise release on April 4th, 2023. But then, finally, the in-game model of Sylvie Palapala. And she's definitely gone goth. She was definitely a lot more colorful in the last game, but she has gone straight goth. And she was really popular in Japan, if I'm not mistaken. And then, of course, the crossplay coming up as well. Spring, there's going to be an online beta test. Whoops. I thought the eyeballs were still there. Now, Samurai Showdown obviously had the rollback beta. But uh, definitely a lot of bugs with that. But they're still working on it. So obviously, you know they're going to release it after uh, they perfected a lot more. Hopefully they also fix the lobbies and the matchmaking as well. I'm still wondering when they're gonna announce any sort of matchmaking fix for 15, but this is the one that surprised everybody. Nobody was expecting to see KOF 13 rollback netcode overhaul. And yeah, this game is clearly one of the uh, premier sprite-based fighting games over here. Very pretty game, although I don't like for the trailer that they keep trying to give us any sort of like, like uh, seizures or anything like that. Not a fan of that, but King of Fighters 15 global match. There will be a beta test in the summer. 
And then this was also a surprise here. Obviously, we knew Garo 2 was coming, but the fact that now they showed us an older Joe and Andy, as well as Terry Bogard coming to Garo, is definitely excited, but it's a new Fatal Fury Garo, so they're basically merging the two franchise. I mean, Garo was always a sequel of Fatal Fury, but now that they're bringing the old characters back, it definitely feels more like an official, like, coming, uh, merging of them. But then, King of Fighters 15 will not be outdone. Free DLC Boss Rush character, Genet, coming into the fold. Obviously, we don't get to see much more of that at this point, but he will be showing up in summer. Again, he has a free update just like Rugal, which is really, really cool. As you can see, Najid is coming a little bit afterwards. Uh, and Sylvie Pala Pala coming a little bit before. They're all listed as summer, so I don't know if it's going to be like June, July, August kind of thing. But uh, let's uh, hang on a second. Oh, dang. Okay. Stop the advertisements, although the King obviously. of Fighters 15. Dude, really? Can I go back, please? Thank you. Here we go. So, uh, I don't know if there's actually any reason for me to play any of these slowed down a little bit for you guys because they didn't really show much. But uh, obviously, KOF 13 here, we're really excited for this one. A lot of people are excited for this one. And KOF 13, of course, is one of the last bastions of really good sprite work. And also, honestly, uh, you know, has that reputation for being one of the most difficult fighting games out there uh, to play from an execution standpoint. Uh, but again, it's, uh, how is the, how is the matchmaking? How is the lobby work going to be? That is the important part right there. Can they tweak those up to make sure that those work properly? Cause KOF 15 already having the problem that we do not have good, uh, matchmaking, unfortunately. So yes, there is a Kim breakdown video, actually. Good call. Why don't we go? God, this trailer flashing edit is really, uh, not fun to watch so let's actually go to this breakdown video over here now they didn't show the level three super i will say that i think his level three super is one of the coolest looking supers uh in the game like i actually saw it and i was like yo <laughs> yo check that out like i actually thought his uh super looked really sick i think i retweeted a video of it somewhere um yeah, uh, let's see. I think this is the one right here. Um. This one is not the level three. I think the next the next clip here. This is the level three. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, this animation is so sick. Because that ending is actually sick. Like, the beginning is already cool enough as it is, but the ending sells it, man. Like, the ending sells it. Ugh, ugh. It's just nice posing. Nice posing and nice uh, direction on the camera work over there. So really, really nicely done. 
but he looks really cool. Kim looks really good right now. So you got, I mean, we'll see how he works out. Let's see if he ends up being one of those DLC characters that's too powerful and ends up dominating very early on. But he looks very, very cool. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping Kim fans are very, very happy. Now all SNK needs to do is make sure that uh, us Kenso fans are also happy. Give me my Kenso! Right, Nate? Right, Jasmine? Give it, you want Kenso too, right, Jasmine? You want Jas you want Kenso, Jasmine? <laughs> I'm trying to get her to meow, but she's not meowing. <laughs> Ow! Alright. Didn't Oda troll everybody and just basically say that the sports team is not coming back? Didn't he say that somewhere? Was that an April Fool's joke? I'm not sure. Oh man. Oh, interesting. You like in well, Iori Anchor obviously is extremely powerful, so. But there you go. That's the SNK announcements that are coming out. So very excited. Again, Genitz will be coming soon. It'll be the first time he's playable in quite some time, actually, because, I mean, he's officially dead, but I guess what? He's brought back. It, the story mode implied that the verse reset definitely brought him back to life. So here he is. Genitz is back, and, uh... Yep, time to wreak more havoc and maybe steal a few more eyeballs. I'm not sure, but uh, he'll be coming out. But there you go. That's the SNK announcements. Again, uh, keep an eye out here on YouTube.com slash TV for more It Was Tuesday chunks over here. So you guys have all of the information and are up to date with everything going on in the fighting game community. Hope you guys are enjoying this. Please like and subscribe. Comment below. Uh, I'll try to be more responsive to the tweets. I was busy this weekend, so I didn't get a chance to respond to a lot of the uh, posts, the comments on the YouTube videos uh, from the past weekend. Uh, I might go back and still do that, even though it's a week later. Uh, but again, thank you guys for tuning in and watching. And for you guys, the day that this podcast graced your ears was the most important day of your life. But for me, it was Tuesday. hosted by myself, uh, a.k.a. James Chen, a.k.a. Jay Chenzor, all about fighting game stuff. We're talking here about the CPT new ruling on the leverless controllers that just came out and the drama that it has started to create here because uh, this is a pretty big rule change over here. So uh, let's just get into reading this uh, officially here from Capcom. Basically, they said, in anticipation of the 2023 season, Capcom has made the decision to update the Capcom Pro Tour rules in relation to leverless controllers. This was done to address consistency and fairness concerns. This rule change can be viewed on CapcomProTour.com. The complete rules for the season will be available closer to the start of CPT. Uh, we had some people help out with this and basically said, for easy reference here, 
basically, you can see in this graphic here on their rules on CapcomProTour.com, it reads, Levels of competitive fairness, end of a sentence. The new rule we are putting forth below is designed to ensure all leverless controllers operate to a universal standard regardless of make or model at Capcom-sanctioned events. With this in mind, we decided to make the following change. If up and down directions are input at the same time, both inputs must be maintained or both inputs must be rejected. To clarify, if up and down inputs are made simultaneously, the character must not perform a jump or crouch action. And if the left and right inputs are made simultaneously, the character not, must not perform a forward or backward uh, action. So essentially what they're saying is that they want up and down to have the same SOCD cleaning as left and right currently does. In case you don't know what that means, simultaneous opposing cor cardinal, cardinal, cardinal directions. I always forget what the third word is. Uh, but yeah, basically it's just saying uh, controllers themselves, the hardware themselves have the ability to control what happens if you hit left and right or up and down at the same time, which is impossible on a joystick or on a control pad, except on some control pads that have the analog and the D-pad at the same time. Now, a lot of people have obviously been saying, you know, just let the game decide, who cares? But the problem is, if the hardware has already made the decision, the software has no idea, right? So Street Fighter VI cannot handle up plus down from a hitbox controller because when hitbox presses up and down at the same time, they are only sending up to the game. The game has no idea what controller you're using. All it knows is that it got an up input. That's the end of it. So Street Fighter VI can't, actual, uh, can't actually handle it anymore. So even if you have software level uh, SODC, uh, SOCD, thanks Gundam Jehudi Kai, SOCD, uh, they basically can't do anything about it. They can do it for the pads. So now the pads can't do anything like that. So... Uh, so right, so here's the thing, right, I already did a huge video on this a long time ago, talking about the hitbox, you know, people wanting hitbox bands or whatever like that, because it started becoming a big point of conversation, obviously, it's entered back into the market over here, uh, I see a lot of people in the chat saying like, man, I was just about to buy a hitbox, now I'm not gonna buy it anymore because of the, you know, now it's not gonna be legal on the control, you know what, uh, oh, thank you, War Destroyer, says that was a great video by the way thank you appreciate that appreciate that uh i'm definitely trying to be very uh objective about this but here's the thing um there's no reason not to get a hitbox honestly uh the hitbox is still gonna work obviously however hitbox doesn't seem like they want to change because uh they actually put out a tweet uh after that announcement uh, where did they, uh, did they actually have, let's see, where is that tweet here? Yeah, here we go. Um, did they update it? <laughs> did they update it? Uh, because originally there was a close, oh no, here it is. Here it is. Here's their original statement here. <laughs> here we go. So it says, 
Regarding the CPT 2023 rule set, please know that we empathize with all of these new concerns and uncertainty for existing and new customers. This is still a developing situation, which we assure you has our full attention. We are confident that we will be able to provide a solution to our customers that will comply with any changes to rule sets. While Capcom and Street Fighter are an important part of the fighting game community, they do not represent the community as a whole. The larger tournament community and its leadership have already ruled many times over that the current SOCD resolutions in our controllers are appropriate for tournament play. We stand firmly by and believe in this standard, a standard that was set more than a decade ago and that is still implemented to this day. Up plus down equals up. So uh, 8 plus 2 equals 8 as people joked here. And then they also had an update here where they said, we want to clarify any misunderstandings concerning the new SOCD guidelines and the CPT rule set. The hitbox currently resolves up plus down as up. This is not legal with the new CPT rules. We do have a new firmware to resolve up plus down as neutral to provide a solution for players competing in the CPT. However, we want to further test this firmware before a public release. This firmware legalizes the hitbox at CPT events. Our first and foremost concern is our customers and ensuring that they are prepared to play at CPT events. We stand firmly that our current SOCD model is the most balanced and practical setting for all fighting games. SOCD True Neutral will add more techniques to hitbox controllers than it removed. This is an important line. We will continue to support our community and our customers regardless of rule sets. We will have more updates as the conversation continues. Again, so as you can see, there's really no reason not to get a hitbox because like uh, I think the junk food, uh, the junk food arcade boxes, like one of these guys over here, the micro that I have over here, shout outs to them. They sent me this a long time ago. It's a beautiful, beautiful controller. They've updated some firm, they've had some firmware updates and I believe you can change it to whether it's, uh, old SO, it's whether 8 plus 2 equals two, uh, 8 or 8 plus 2 equals 5, right? So whether the SOCD cleaning leads to up or leads to neutral, I think there's a way to switch the mode of it by plugging it into your computer and you can set it that way. Um, I believe Brook Adapter is probably going to do something like that. So even if you have a hitbox and you didn't, and let's say they didn't come out with the firmware, you could still buy the hitbox and actually like, well, no, actually because it'll get bypassed by the time it gets to the adapter. So never mind. So yeah, it's actually kind of, uh, you know, a lot of hitbox users like, what are we going to do? But clearly hitbox is going to put in a firmware update that allows you to change it. So it's not like they're being like, screw you, Capcom. We're doing it our way. You're done. Like you can still buy a hitbox. They'll have a firmware update for you guys. They just want to test it. Make sure it doesn't cause any bugs. I'm sure they're also going to add the ability for you to switch between the two modes of it so again no reason to to cancel any hitbox orders or anything like that it's still gonna be there however having said that though one um not even just one i think the main thing is that i don't think this is a good ruling from cpt i just actually don't think this is a good ruling because I already personally don't like left plus right equals neutral. <laughs> I don't like having an alternate way to get to neutral. <laughs> I do not like having 
direction, an alternate way. So the problem is there is no input for neutral. You either have the controller at neutral or not. That's how you get neutral. By having this, it allows you to have access to neutral via an input. So for example, dashing in some games, you can actually hit forward and tap. You can hit right and tap left, and that'll cause you to dash because you can access a neutral by hitting both buttons. It's what creates a lot of those crazy hitbox shortcuts by hitting uh, uh, left plus right at the same time. You have a way to intentionally input neutral, which gives you some of these shortcuts. Uh, in a way to demonstrate that, uh, let me show you uh, a video that JB put out recently. <laughs> Uh, that was actually kind of funny over here. So he actually tried using the leverless design over here. And what he's doing now is because up plus down equals neutral, he's holding down back and he's basically plinking jump with both of his thumbs. So he's holding down back and plinking with it. And so what this actually results in is when he's sitting there mashing on up, he creates neutral, not up. Hi, Nathan. Uh, he's creating neutral, not up. And so what you actually Check see out, here look. is this. I'm blocking low right now, bro. He can't. Yo! <laughs> Yo, I blocked the overhead too. I blocked the overhead too. Nah, bro. That's nah. That's fucking broken, bro. Check this. And so what happens here as a result is that if you, and even if you can still hit him with their crouching or, or overhead, it was just very lucky on JB. However, what this does is it takes away a high-low 50-50 mix-up, right? It's not about reading opponents. It's not about reacting. You as a defender can literally turn it into a true random 50-50 with no thought process at all whatsoever. So it's not about reading the opponent. It's not about, you know, reacting to anything. It's literally when you're in a situation where there's a high-low mix-up coming, you can basically plink on up like this with your two fingers and make your character bounce up and down and turn it into a real true 50-50 without you having to think. Why? Because multiple buttons e equaling neutral is a wrong problem so the reason why this didn't work before is because if you hit if you hit up you always jumped because before uh it, it would work so left right equals neutral is because uh they want to do that because it's there's so many advantages to to, to to being able to you know uh maintain one or the other etc etc i'll get to that in a second but up being up prevented that kind of situation. So we've actually created a situation that's theoretically worse with this new ruling. However, I said it in the last video that I did about this hitbox ban. There's an easy solution already. And Ozzy beat me to the punch here. But first input priority is already the solution. The reason why the Gaffro box was originally banned when Gaffro first created the box and Daigo started using it is because it was a last input priority. So with Guile, if I held back and tapped forward, the forward would win, but as soon as I let go, it would switch back to back. 
So if I held forward and tapped it, I can go sonic boom and start charging as fast as humanly possible, right? So here's the thing. That's last input priority. That, that is a valid SOCD cleaning program. It's not necessarily valid for tournaments, but it is a way to clean simultaneous inputs. First input priority is just the obvious answer in my opinion, because if I'm holding back and I hit forward, it only holds the first input. It doesn't care anymore about right. It just deads that button. As you're holding left, right is deaded, which is how joysticks work because, or pads, because if you're holding left, you can't press right. So if you hold left, right becomes dead. If you hold right, left becomes dead. If you hold down, up becomes dead. If you hold up, down becomes dead. Like that is called first input priority. However, the reason why a lot of people don't want first input priority is because it can make inputting things messy. So let's say I'm doing a half circle input. If I, do, if I input it too quickly and I don't let go of left in time before I hit right, I will actually do back, down, back, down, and it just deads. Like the, the input doesn't register in there. However, just like Jiko says, skill issue. This is just something you're gonna have to learn and deal with. It's the downside of using a leverless controller. I think first input priority is the right way to go. And yeah, like everybody's saying, oh, forcing better execution? Oh no, or get good. Absolutely, absolutely. First input priority is the solution. This is the right answer to all of the leverless controllers. And I don't know why we're not talking about this. If people are going to flash their hardware already to make it so that up plus down is now neutral, let's just change them all to first input priority. <laughs> why are we not talking about this more? Yes. So there are leverless players that are like, I don't want that because it causes this problem, blah, blah, blah. No, no, like that just, it solves so many of the issues. And now left plus right doesn't equal neutral. This doesn't give us an alternate input to generate neutral, which kills a lot of the weird hitbox shortcuts that exist. Again, the ability to input neutral via a different button combination gives us the ability to find and cheat with new shortcuts. First input, last input priority gives us the ability to charge sonic booms as fast as possible. First input priority gives us very, very few advantages. <laughs> very, very, very few advantages. Unless somebody in the chat can be like, actually the reason why we don't use first input priority because it lets us do this. And if somebody can come in the chat and let me and say that and make me go, oh, then I will definitely change my tune. But when I talked about it the last time, nobody had that kind of comment. And so I just think, uh, I just think, honestly, I think it's the right way to go. I just think there's the right way to go. Uh, so it says left plus right equals neutral up plus down equals neutral alternate guard have existed in KOF for 25 plus years how did you do left plus right and up plus down in KOF outside of dual controllers like the dual shock 2 and all that stuff like that 
How could that have been for 25 plus years? I don't understand. Because 25 plus years ago, we were playing on arcades and there was really no way to manually input that. Even if they did have that cleaning in the game, nobody had access to it. The problem right now is that we all have access to it via leverless controllers. So uh, that's basically the idea here. So again, I don't know why this is such a big situation. First input priority, change all leverless controllers to follow that, and we're done. <laughs> like, it requires still skill for you to let go of back to make sure you charge the sonic boom properly and stuff like that. Oh, okay, okay, Johnny29 says he's been playing on keyboard. Yes, yes, emulators, keyboards, yes, okay. Totally makes sense. Totally makes sense, Johnny. I got you. I got you on that one. Okay. So, emulators, we've been able to do that forever. But emulators, obviously, are not legal ways to play. And now... Uh, actually, that doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. Yes. It's, it's just how it's been this whole entire time. That's where the software SOCD, the reason why it wasn't a problem is a lot of times keyboards would overload input so holding more than one button at a time would cause problems. Because I know when I played on MAME that happened to me a lot in fighting games, uh, for example. But now we have these controllers that are specifically designed for it. So thoughts on how the larger execution barrier hurts the growth of fighting game conversations fits into the leverless versus sticks larger execution barrier hurts the growth of fighting games is donka is that in reference to the conversation about how modern controls is going to be legal in street fighter 6 and how uh project l is one button special moves because because i saw snake eyes tweeting about that he was like does anybody have any proof that easier execution gets more people to play the fighting game uh i kind of agree with snake eyes but at the same time i've seen people get have trouble with it but with motions but the problem honestly is is that our fighting games don't teach us motions and which is why Street Fighter VI is actually kind of exciting for me because they literally have those mini games where they teach you how to do quarter circle forwards and quarter circle backs, etc., etc. Now, the thing about it is having one button special moves is obviously a huge advantage as in the betas, we'll see how it changes when the game actually comes out. But in the beta for Street Fighter VI, modern controls nerfed all special moves by 80% damage so even if you can walk up spd you're doing less damage even if you can one button dp you're doing less damage and so that's the question right now is that do they all did they in their tests also feel like it was too powerful and if modern controls ends up being a problem and in a more effective way to play does that mean they have to nerf it more right so weirdly enough that 80 percent nerf to modern controls is a balance issue now because it could turn out that it's too little that maybe 80 percent is overdoing it so now the players need a more damage buff because modern controls can't hang or maybe that means that modern controls is too good and that zangief walk-up spd is too powerful do they change it so it's a special move by special move basis are some things like fireballs increase to, increase to 90% damage, 
but SPDs lowered to 75% damage, right? We're opening a huge can of worms when it comes to balancing for modern controls. That is the, that is the issue. And so it's really, really kind of an interesting situation. Now, I've said it on commentary many times already, but they officially announced that Modern Controls is absolutely meant to be a viable way to play Street Fighter at six in tournaments. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But like I said, it's going to be a very, very interesting situation here when it comes to whether or not the Modern Controls end up being too strong. Um... And yeah, exactly. 13-year-olds are going pro in Valorant, Fortnite, Rocket League, etc. I think we can trust them to do SRA, SRK inputs that classic way. I don't think the inputs are a problem because honestly, like I said, I mean, when we, when we were younger, obviously it was very hard when the games first came out. Like the first time I did a DP, I was like, oh my God, you know? And then I was like, even trying to get all gutsy and DP Bison Psycho Crusher, even though the computer went, and like totally, totally in the slow, slow speed, totally signaled to you when the Psycho Crusher was coming, he would run him and go, Psycho Crusher! And I was like, okay, I'm across the screen. Get ready to DP! And then he would go, Psycho Crusher! And I would go, DP! And you would drain all this life because he took extra damage during the Psycho Crusher. And I was like, oh my god, I'm a god! Like, obviously, yes, learning these motions is hard, but it's part of the game, and there's a reason that they exist, right? Like, the input that you give a character means something there's something significant to it there's a reason why vampire savior unified all guard reversals to dps there's a reason why you know uh there isn't very many backwards uppercut dps anymore outside of fei long because they realize it's a really powerful tool to be able to dpm block at the same time while you're blocking strings like these kind of things like that are stuff that they realize the inputs mean a big difference and i I prefer having them. For example, in Alpha 3, the reason why custom combos were broken is because there was no input motion, right? Every time you jumped, if I could just react with a button press, I could anti-air you for 50% of your life. Now, Xism and Aism had anti-air supers that had invulnerability. So why didn't we why weren't those just as good? Having three bars, you jump, I level three, you out of the air. Because it required double quarter circle forward or double quarter circle back. You couldn't do it just in a moment's notice. Most Motions matter, right, to fighting games. They are important. So if we're adding modern controls here to Street Fighter VI, you have to balance around that. And so it's going to be really interesting to see exactly how it's going to play out. Again, having access to one-button special moves is very, very powerful. Crouch activation on DPs, exactly like Mike Lee says in the chat, you know, there's a big deal to having that. So the interesting thing is that Street Fighter VI already acknowledges that in that the beta special moves are doing 80% damage. So it's I'm really curious to see how that's actually going to play out. Did they test it enough? Like, could they actually, like, it would be really interesting if they just ran matches and could replay the inputs and change the value of that 90-80% and see how often someone would win or not. Like, can you imagine getting two, like, really good players 
playing against each other, not even with modern controls, but let's say they do play with modern controls against someone with traditional controls, and they just replayed the fight over and over and over and over again while tuning that damage to see how often one player wins over the other, etc. So it'd be really interesting to see if they did that kind of research and did that kind of data into determining that 80% is the right amount. But again, that is obviously another point of conversation that's different than this leverless ruling over here. But it is definitely part of this conversation because, you know, we're entering an era where things are very much changing and we do have to adapt to these changes. It is very, very important that we adapt to these changes and see how it goes. some people want to talk about and I my brain has completely disappeared <laughs> uh, oh CLG being shut down which is a very very uh, uh, frustrating thing it's very sad to hear it's very 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 sad to hear so Mike Lee says J Justin ran modern controls and got a 60 game win streak did it feel like it was easier for him because Justin can get a 60 game win streak with regular controls right is the question is did it feel cheap to him did it feel cheap to Justin but CLG closing is definitely a shame but again I mean my skeptical self is just going to be stay winning esports uh, esports again the bubble is bursting it really is and it has been bursting for years Right, esports was never the glorious thing that they painted it out to be. They found a way to present esports as this: this is the next big thing, just like X Games did. They presented it as this big next big thing that this is what everybody's gonna go crazy about, and uh, it was never true in the first place. Right? It just it just never was. <laughs> But that's how they presented it. CLG got purchased and is now being shut down, or that's the rumors. Like CLG run it, run it back uh, that they're running this Thursday. They're claiming as perhaps the last one. But they've somehow convinced investors that esports was going to be the next big thing. Everyone invested it, and they told everybody, look how much money we're making. And then MLG was like, look at us. Look at our crazy production value. And here's all these you know, capital uh, venture capitalists giving us all this money. And they never paid any of them back. So all those uh, investors lost all their money. And when Activision bought MLG, the majority of the money was to pay the debt that MLG owed. <laughs> And now MLG is gone. <laughs> so again, we're still trying to figure out how to make esports work. But the way to make esports work is not to tell everybody how much money we don't actually that we how much money we make when we don't actually make that much money. <laughs> That's the problem. And so, you know, the fighting game community has always been in a better position because we are more grassroots. So we're more uh, impervious to this, right? 
Evo got to where Evo got to because they just did it on their own, right? It's not venture capitalism. It's not investors. Evo literally got to the point where even when Sony bought it, we were already in the Mandalay Bay and it did it by paying for itself. (laughs) Evo was paying for itself. It wasn't investors, right? And so the fighting game community has this ability to be able to Uh, the FGC has had the ability to maintain this. So even though CLG goes away and we had a lot of wonderful players, uh, you know, on their team sponsored by them and they were running all sorts of events, this will not affect the FGC. The FGC will continue to grow because nobody can take EVO away from us. Nobody can take Combo Breaker away from us. No one can take CEO away from us. All of those things exist independently of investors. It just exists. Jabali is running it. Rick is running it. And, you know, they are running these events on a very, very minimal profit. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. So you see so many messages when TOs like Jabali say, I don't make any money on CEO. Reply with, why don't you spend more money on stuff we want? You know, it's just they don't understand. Like, so some TOs do make money. But it's like, oh my god, like, yay, this completely, this allows me to buy a few delicious meals to make up for these six months of complete hard work and wrangling and organization that I get to do, yay! Like, sure, the event might actually make a few thousand dollars, but then if you actually compare that to the amount of time they spent working on the event, that is not a livable wage, okay? (laughs) So, uh, maybe, I mean, Evo probably was definitely making, well, probably was definitely, was most assuredly making enough so that someone like Wizard could survive off of a living wage. But, again, a lot of events aren't doing that. Evo is the biggest event, and a lot of the events that are doing that, uh, they're not making enough for livable wages, honestly. So, um... The fact that CLG is closing, I mean, again, it's not me being like, ha, told you so, suck it, CLG. Like, that sucks. Obviously, it's very sad, but again, it's kind of a, you are making the bed, you're sleeping. It's the, it's the, it's the, it's the meme of, you know, shooting the guy in the chair and being like, who would do such a thing? You know, like, like, we built this environment. We already lied to people that esports was this upcoming multi-billion dollar industry with no support to back this up, (laughs) right? We had nothing to actually show that this was the case except for promise. And everybody trying to get in on the next big thing bought into it, and it's really unfortunate. Fortunately, the FGC is largely impervious to this. The bubble is breaking, but that will make a stronger esports scene in the end. So again, if we get to the point where it's not false promises and snake oil and that people see what the real potential is, especially for the fighting game community because fighting game community is very grassroots and very, very easy to watch. And it's just, it's like a, it's a scene that will have the ability to, you know, especially with Street Fighter 6 coming out and Tekken 8 coming out, I think it's going to be a good scene to invest in. But again, we are also very self-sufficient and that makes us a very, very strong scene to invest in, honestly. 
Uh, no, Mike Ross didn't lie to anybody. I mean, it's something that my, Mike and I have talked about many times. About I've been saying this for years. It's the reason why I didn't want the FGC to join MLG like ten years ago when they tried to get into the when they tried to get into the FGC, and I was really, really adamantly against it. Like I was that was back when I was definitely way more like yeah, like you know, very, very opinionated and very you know one side minded. But the, one of the things I was very one-side-minded was about was, fuck MLG, I don't want them anywhere near the fighting game community, you know, kind of thing like that. And, I mean, I don't want to say I was right, but I was right in the end. And I think the fighting game community is better off having not gone that route, uh, in a way. So, again, it's a, very diff- it's a very tough thing. It's a very, very, very tough thing to handle, right? This whole situation you know, is unfortunate that CLG is closing down, but we, the FGC will stay strong and we'll have to keep finding the opportunities when we, where we can. But the key is always going to be viewership. The key is always going to be viewership. No esport, no sport, nothing goes anywhere without the audience. The audience is the key thing. Why do you think when I talk about fighting games, I talk about presentation so goddamn much, right? How I kept saying Street Fighter V is one of the worst presentation fighting games in a long time. Tekken 7, really up the presentation, etc., etc. Why do you think I sit here and talk about, like, why fighting games are kind of stuck in the past? We need to improve our presentation. Why is it when fighters get into the corner that we fight in the corner over here on the screen and leave 80% of the screen completely empty and useless to viewers, right? Why don't we shift the screen a little bit more in, draw walls and bring them in there? Why is it that when DNF Duel, you land the super a million times, we only have one camera angle for the super? You don't have to animate a completely new super, but give us like seven different camera angles. (laughs) (laughs) that are randomly chosen when you land the super. So it's not the same thing every single time, (laughs) right? There's so many things that we are stuck in when it comes to fighting games that we need to relook at and improve for presentation. And a lot of people just aren't thinking about that. But presentation is the absolutely most important thing. You know, having punish on the screen. I had blowback from Tekken players being like, we don't want combo counters. We don't want punish. We don't want these kind of things showing up on our screen. But it helps the viewers, right? Even if there's just only a spectator mode that brings it up, that it's not there for other people or something, the people that play or whatever. We need to give more information to people watching so that they understand fighting games more, so they know more of what's going on. And why me as a commentator, I spend so much time trying to make sure people understand the subtle things that are happening and not spending so much time on the super minute details, but trying to focus on what gets people to understand and appreciate and enjoy fighting games. The biggest compliments I ever get from people are when, like, some guy's like, dude, my girlfriend tells me I don't frame trap enough. And the only reason why she knows what frame trap is is because she listens to your commentary all the time, James. Like, that's important to me. Why do I keep focusing on, oh, U.S. versus Japan? Oh, my God. This, oh, Morocco is doing this. And people are like, James, shut up about the countries. We really don't care. 
Dude, it's a storyline that people can follow. Like, it's something for people to listen to and get attached to, right? Like, that's the important thing. These are the kind of things that will get more people watching fighting games, right? That's why I do what I do. I've already been doing this for so long and I get it right now. The thing that will make fighting games grow organically is more audience. So let's get more audience in there, you know? Anyways, uh, yeah, dude, I've said that. I was talking to a fighting game developer who was like, I was complaining about their game because I said it wasn't flashy enough and that the sound effects weren't very good and everything. And they're like, but, you know, you look at a game like Marvel 3 and there's just colors and explosions and all this stuff everywhere and it's horrible. And I was like, are you kidding <laughs> I was like, Marvel vs. Capcom 3 is an exercise in key poses, all right? When Super's finished, when X-13 does the spinny thing, you can't tell what the hell she's doing in the spinny thing, but when she ends the Super and it just goes whoosh, and you see her floating in kind of one pose like this, keyframes is all you really care about, right? Like when someone punches, you want to see the arm back here and the arm over here, which is what Superman should be doing in every NRS game, not punchy like it should be pow like that right it's keyframes presentation is the important thing marvel 3 is a paragon of that we saw all the crazy explosions and we're like i can't what the heck there's too much on the screen and then we don't notice it anymore like all of us have stopped even seeing it right guilty gear strive is the same way unless i actively go oh shit the combo meter is half the size of the screen I actually don't see the combo meter anymore. I don't see the giant words counter on the screen. <laughs> I literally don't anymore. But for casual audiences watching, it's something to notice, it's something to see, it's information for them to understand and it lets them know something is happening. At the uh, Intel PAX East thing that I did, every time a drive impact was countered by a drive impact, the audience would go, oh! And like, you know, for us, it's just like, whatever, but it's sick looking for casual viewers, you know? These are the things that are very, very, very important. Oh, eSports day, storytelling in eSports, exactly. And that's just the thing, right? This is what we need to do with fighting games. We need to improve the presentation because that'll get the audiences, that'll get more people watching, and that's what we want to do. That is what we need to do. Any case, this has gone on to a large tangent here that I was not expecting to go into. I guess I will have to break the CLG conversation to its own video as well. Yay, more days of content. But uh, that's basically um, uh, anything else that anybody wanted me to talk about. I know there was some other news stuff. But again, the whole reason why I brought this up is because it sucks that CLG is folding like this, if that's the case. However, my skepticism is that I'm not surprised by it because it just keeps happening. How many times is it going to happen before we realize that's the norm? It's not the exception. It is absolutely the norm. And so the insanity is doing the same thing a million times in a row and expecting a different result. Clearly, esports needs to try something different. They are not making the money 
the way that they 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 expect to and the route that they're choosing right now isn't necessarily working so uh so serpa i already talked about the leverless stuff and all that oh just on how to enforce it uh Again, I, I think that's not an important part of the conversation right now because there's just so many ways to get around that already with so many things that we do. So it's really going to be largely an honor system. So uh, the constant camera angle changes with heat engager and heat smash. I mean, again, Song Hung, a lot of what I see in the trailer, I suspect, are trailer-only camera angle changes. I don't think it's going to be huge, but uh, for the heat engager stuff, I think it's going to feel a little more natural given some time. I don't think it's going to be crazy, uh, to be honest with you. So, um, but yeah, that's it for me in terms of the CLG information about the CPT leverless, about the concept of easy inputs versus complex inputs. Uh, if you guys enjoy this and like hearing my side of things and how I talk about this, because again, I will 100% admit, as an old man, I have been through a lot. So what I see and how I feel about a lot of things is very different than what a lot of other people see because I've gone through a lot and I understand, in my opinion, what's important and what's not. So my take on things are very different than what a lot of other people feel like. And so if you guys enjoy that and if you like this take, if you like this old man take over here, uh, please continue to like and subscribe and let me know on Twitter so I can retweet these things and stuff like that. Comment below in the YouTube comments. And like I said, I'll try to get back to you. But again, uh, obviously, I have a very different outlook on than a lot of people because I, I've been trying to push for this for decades. I've been trying to help fighting games get to extreme popularity levels forever because I think it absolutely deserves it not even in a biased standpoint because fighting games are legit fun to watch and I think they're really palatable for big audiences they just it, fighting games just needs to get to that point where casual players can easily jump into it that is the power of basketball of poker of throwing balls at people with you know sticks and not even a true baseball field or whatever like that you just play a makeshift baseball game in your backyard fighting games do not give us that ability esports do not give us that ability. It's why I hate the arms race of fighting game, of trying to have to spend money on monitors and do all these crazy things to try to make it, you know, optimize everything like that. Like the goal is to make this as accessible as possible to people. That's how we grow. That is how we grow. And we do that through excitement, through hype, through storylines, the real human emotion. Poker got popular because we started becoming fans of Phil Ivey and Daniel Negreanu. We all started to hate Phil Helmuth, etc., etc. It gave us the ability to actually make these human connections. That's what we need to do with esports. That is that is how we succeed with esports: is the human connection, the storyline, and really, you know, focusing on things like Oil King having his wife crying and coming up to him and giving him a kiss after he won EVO Japan. These are the kind of things that will get people invested in watching. Again, why does people watch WWE? Do they really watch it for the wrestling? Partially, but I, like I said, when Justin was living with me, him and, him and his friend, they were watching WWE. It was on my DVR, and it was like, drama, storyline, storyline. All right, let's start the match. And they're like, skip the match. And they skipped the match, and then they went to more 
they went to more storyline. Like again, that's how it works, man. Storylines. It's it's what gets people invested. It's the human it's the human aspect of everything that is important. Anyways, that's enough for me on my soapbox over here. Uh hope you guys enjoyed this. Hope you guys really uh enjoy listening to my takes on everything. Uh I mean you guys should clearly Clearly, I have the best takes in the FGC, and that I am the smartest person in the world. That is why the days that this podcast graces your ears are the most important days of your life. But for me... It was Tuesday, 